0: Welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are well. I am your host, Dave McHugh, broadcasting out of our Hoopsville studios in the greater Baltimore area. Once again, lots to cover in the next two hours, so we'll cover it here. We hope you're enjoying the show. We hope you enjoy the entire show. This is our last Thursday show until the new year, 2016. We'll talk about that as well. Um, Planning to get to across the board, as it, as it always is in Division Three basketball. N- uh, nothing has changed in that in many years. We, too, have new top 25s. Um, of course, we already have new results uh, in that as well. So lots to d- discuss um, throughout. So if you've got questions for us, you know how to get a hold of us. It's always the same way. On Twitter, at D3Hoopsville, or hashtag Hoopsville on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Join us on or email us as well. Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Certainly, we will take any questions that you may have. Um, A lot of our guests tonight are pre-taped. We'll warn you that now. Um, So not any questions that we can necessarily take for our coaches, um, but we can always get it to them later and maybe see if they'll take a question or two as well. Um, As we said, new top 25s out. No changes at the top. Um, In both polls, the top two teams stayed the same. In both polls, the number four team became the number three team, and then it changed. From there, St. John Fisher took the biggest hit on the men's poll, falling from tenth to twenty-fourth. Um, I'm not sure who the biggest riser might have been. Might have been Christopher Newport going from thirteenth to twenty-first, or twenty-first to thirteenth, I should say, on the men's side—a a jump of of eight spots. Not sure you can get any higher. Brooklyn certainly jumped seven. Of course, Brooklyn has gone and lost, unfortunately. We will get to that momentarily. On the women's side, um, I think the, I don't even know who the biggest jump there might have been. It might have been uh, Whitewater, who moved from 20th to 15th. Of course, Muhlenberg followed five behind them with a 21 to 16 move. Williams moved from 22 to 17. Um, well, Scranton moved from 25 to, 19, to 18. So a jump of, uh, of uh, seven there for the, the Lady Royals. Uh, the biggest fall, I'm not really sure. It might have been Carthage coming out, but they only fell from 23. Well, FDU Florham fell from 14 to 23, and FDU Florham most likely will fall out of the pole due to the fact that they lost yet again this week. Um, let's take a look uh, so far on the men's side of things. Uh, n- not as much carnage as we normally see. Um, Stevens Point uh, lost to North Central. This was a heck of a game on Wednesday night, F- uh, 63-49. Stevens Point struggling on offense. We'll see what happens with Stevens Point here. Ranked at number nine. I know with my top 25, they fell kind of into the middle of the top 25. We'll see what voters do here because now Stevens Point's sitting three and three and clearly struggling. Um, granted, they're playing good teams, but North Central wasn't exactly any uh, loss, I think, many thought the Pointers would take. We've got a game coming up on Saturday against Lawrence. Trinity, Connecticut lost to uh, Eastern Connecticut, who's receiving votes by 8, 57-49. That might be a good sign for Eastern Connecticut, who may be rebounding from a little bit of a rougher start than anticipated. Trinity's got a game against Susquehanna coming up on Friday, and then whoever's the other, whoever won or lost, depending on the results on Saturday. So they've got two more games coming up this weekend. Brooklyn, as we mentioned, uh, they defeated Medgar Evers at the beginning of the week, 95-71, and then lost to Albertus Magnus 106-89 i not sure. You can go on the chat boards and see what many thought. Um, granted, it's an Albertus Magnus slant there. Of course, Albertus Magnus had lost earlier in the week, I believe. Uh, but Brooklyn takes its first loss. Not sure what happened with that one. Um, sounds like defense again may have been a, a cause. Uh, they've got Lehman coming up in conference action on Friday. An odd day. To, eh, I don't know. I don't want to read into that um salisbury also lost again they're now six and two they lost to penn state harrisburg sounds like a game of um maybe expecting to to roll over harrisburg and harrisburg's a little bit more of a of a challenge than people give them credit for um and i think that's what happened there for salisbury we'll see if they stay in the poll they're 21 and at six and two they've got some room there's 88 points down to 25th so there's room to fall we'll see how far they fall uh, other than that, nobody else lost in the top 25. There were four other losses in the um, receiving votes category. We mentioned Albertus Magnus lost their first loss of the season to Pittsburgh State, 91-85. Uh, Williams lost to Oyanta, 75-62. I heard from a few people that it was not pretty. Williams um, getting votes, but maybe some people questioning why. Apparently not that good a team. Um, one person gave me a comparison. They finished sixth in the UAA, if you can believe it, and thought they would finish maybe third or fourth in the Sunniac. Take that as what you will. Aurora, 5-1, and one, losing their first game to Marion, 98-96. And St. Vincent lost to Catholic, who's receiving votes um, 80-56. to Catholic's been all over the place, to say the least. Um, on the women's side of things, as we mentioned, not as much turnover as we would expect. Um, certainly plenty of, of movement, but not a lot of up and down or more up and down than in and out. Top 25, pretty much um, nothing's happened. A bunch of teams are idle, but FDU floor, and we mentioned losing to Drew 61-55. Uh, that's the only loss in the top 25, and the only other loss is in the receiving votes category. That's Carthage. They're now 4-3, and three. Um, 71-61. Heard from their coach over the weekend Carthage will be at the D3hoops.com Classic. He says they're looking forward to that. I hope they're not looking past their opponents now. They've got lacrosse coming up, Uh, UW lacrosse. We'll see how that transpires for them. Let's talk about who we've got coming up on this show. Uh, A bunch of teams that maybe you're not paying attention to or are off to good starts. Now, the first one you're probably paying attention to because they are the number 11th ranked team in the country Uh, on the men's side. That's John Carroll, men's basketball. We'll talk to Mike Moran coming up. Here on the show, but the rest are all off to terrific starts in some shape or fashion and either not getting any votes, not getting any top 25 attention at all, which is this is fine. That's not necessarily why they're on the show, but it's more about what's going on with them and their terrific start. We'll talk to Juniata men's basketball coach, uh, Greg Curley. They're off to a seven and 0 start, including a big win over Scranton in conference play. Uh, we'll stay in the Mid-Atlantic region and talk to Ursinus Women's Basketball, Margaret White, first-year head coach there. You may look at their record and go, well, why are you talking to a 4-3 and three team? Well, listen, they started 0-3 and lost to some decent teams and now have rattled off four straight, all in the Centennial Conference, including a win over Johns Hopkins, who was supposed to finish second. Hopkins off to a 2-5 and five start. Not sure what's going on with Nancy Funk's side, but Margaret White's side is on top of the Centennial, early on we'll talk to her about that what's it like to be a first-year coach etc staying with women and then we'll head west we'll head to wisconsin with uh, wisconsin river falls cindy holbrook will join us that team is undefeated granted have not entered conference play and they won't until january thanks to the simple fact that you wisconsin superior is no longer in the conference we'll talk to her about that start you know that's a that's a very good start for River Falls. We'll talk to her about the significance of that start and what she's expecting from what would be considered a young team. Um, certainly some seniors on it, but that's not the ones who are contributing necessarily. Of course, we'll also go to Northwestern. Tom Groves will join us. Uh, Northwestern having a polar opposite start to this year than they had last year. You might remember last year they made the NCAA tournament, got to the Sweet 16, but what you might not remember is they lost 9 of their first 11 games. Yeah, they lost 9 of their first 11 games last season before winning 18 straight and finishing 20 and 10 in the Sweet 16 of the tournament. They're off to a 8 and 1 start, 7 and 1 start, terrific start by comparison. The question is, they're playing in now a crowded UMAC with Wisconsin uh, Superior coming over. 16 games that they've already started conference play for the first time before January. We'll talk to him about that as well. So that's all coming up here on Hoopsville. Again, if you want to interact with us at D3 Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville on your Twitter account. You can join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Join us on Twitter or we mentioned that, or via email as well, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. By the way, we also have a chat room if you happen to be on the YouTube page. If you want to use that, I believe you're going to have to log in. We are monitoring it, though I will tell you we're not monitoring it that well, but we are monitoring it, so feel free to use that if you'd like. Uh, last week, uh, last Sunday, I should say, we ended with a uh, an ad-lib rant. I wasn't intending to rant, and I ended up ranting nonetheless. The rant was regarding uh, video in Division Three, and coaches who want all their games archived. Uh, a lot of coaches want those archives hidden from the public so we can't see them and other coaches can't see them, blah, blah, blah. I actually heard from a number of coaches after that rant, many of them agreeing with me, believe it or not, thinking that some of their brethren are crazy. One of the messages I got was from a guy who uses the Synergy Group. Um, now, there's a lot of different ways of, of – of, uh, exchanging video and conferences. It's all digital nowadays. We, they don't send DVDs and VHS tapes. Um, there's a number of them out there. We could go through all the names. It's not relevant. This one happens to use Synergy. And he said to me, by the way, I just hit the tab to see how many schools I can go watch. He said, I've gotten only through the letter C, meaning he's gone alphabetically, ABC, and I'm at 160, including NBA, college. 160 teams that he can go watch on the Synergy program. And yet we can't watch a basketball game if we miss it live. Anyway, we will write that up and hopefully have it out tomorrow. Knock on wood. Might come out a little bit later than that instead. But we're working on it. We've been busy prepping for a big week in Division Three next week with the football championships and the Gallardi Trophy. Uh, shameless plug, we'll be on the air for that on Wednesday. Excuse me. We'll be on the air for Wednesday's show uh, for the Gallardi Trophy and then the championship game on Friday from Salem, Virginia. Of course, that's where we're headed for the men's championship coming up uh, in March as well. My 16th trip going to Salem for basketball championship alone coming up this year. This is my fifth or sixth trip for the Stag Bowl, and I've been down there uh, at least one or two other occasions for some other things. So I've gotten to know the trip down I-81 in the western side of, of Virginia pretty darn well. Um. Got a chance to see my alma mater play last night. I just bring that up because I saw one of the crazier comebacks in a long time. Um, Goucher hadn't had a home game all season, so I finally like got a chance to start announcing for my alma mater, and they took on Hood in non-conference action. They were down 32-15 with five and a half minutes left to go in the first half. They eventually uh, closed that on a 16-2 run to end the half to draw within you know, 34-31, um, and then continued the run into the second half grand total 51 15 run took a sizable lead interesting enough hope then or hood went on their own run uh about 23 12 at the end try and cut the deficit but they couldn't get within eight but goucher had it well in hand hood had it well in hand and back it was crazy now some of the officiating you could certainly discuss Uh, i don't think it was the greatest there was some that was fine it was it was an interesting watch, but it was also first-year coaches. Another theme this year is seeing these first-year coaches that go at it. For Goucher, it was their alum, Tom Rose, who has come to take over the program. They've already hit their win total from last year with four wins. They are four and five now on the season. Uh, Hood first-year head coach, Chad Dittman, uh, taken over for his father, who retired and is, remains AD at Hood. Uh, he, Tom Dickman was there. It's good to see Tom. But Chad was there as well. And uh, he's got a good team under him. So does Goucher. But just one of crazy comebacks. And that's what's great about basketball. Sometimes even if it looks like it's over, it's not over. Anything is certainly possible um, during a during a game, as many of us have come to know. Once again, a reminder who we've got coming up on this show. We'll be getting to them in just a matter of minutes. John Carroll's men's basketball coach, Mike Mill, um, Moran, will be joining us momentarily. We'll talk to Juniata's Greg Curley, her sinus's Margaret White, uh, Wisconsin River Falls' Cindy Holbrook, and Northwestern's Tim Groves. all coming up here on the show. A reminder again, this is our last Thursday show of this of this part of the season. Um, we will be back on the air with Thursday shows in a month uh, it will be a month before we're back up just due to the calendar. Um, that will be January 7th and this is why we made a point of adding Sunday shows this year and obviously that will become a permanent part of the structure um, but that's because we can get two more Sunday shows in here this Sunday the 13th and then Sunday the 20th once we've returned from Salem, we'll be able to get some more shows uh, together for that. Um, and be able to talk about Division Three basketball up until the 20th. And so instead of taking what would have ended up being a three-and-a-half-week break, because we wouldn't have gotten back on the air until January 3rd after going off the air tonight normally, we're able to go another two weeks, uh, a week and a half, let's just call it, um, of basketball coverage with two more shows, and then just be kind of silent, as it were, for two weeks. So a major difference there. Obviously, we'll go over the holidays, um, be busy at the D3Hoops.com Classic as well. But that just allows us... Um, to to shorten the distance, we had a lot a lot of time between when we were on the air last year and this year, and and, and it was going to be even longer this time around. And we just we wanted to avoid that if at all possible. So just a heads up, last Thursday show, but we will be on the air this coming Sunday, the 13th. We'll also be on the air now on the 20th um, before taking a break for the holidays and returning on January 3rd. I think that's about it. Trying to remember if we've got any other. Major news. By the way, I want to point out on d3hoops.com we now have regional writers in each of the eight regions. If no one knew the particulars in the past, for the last few years we've had two writers, or I mean, a writer per two regions. So, for example, there was the Northeast and East region. There was the Atlantic and North uh, Mid-Atlantic region. Um, I'm not sure if it was South and and West and. Uh, Great Lakes and, and Central, or I don't remember how that all broke down from there, but that's how we broke it down. We now have a writer from each of the eight regions putting a story together each week, along with Around the Nation articles each week. Plenty of Division Three coverage. We have taken Division Three coverage at d3hoops.com and grown it by almost double, at least regionally reporting-wise but uh, certainly significantly more than that. There's plenty to, to check out online, and I certainly encourage you to do so. I've already seen some great articles this season. It's fun to check out uh, what's being written about you know, Green Mountain, Susquehanna, LaGrange women, uh, Ripon's men, um, and more. Uh, it's certainly fun to, to see all of that uh, online, and I encourage you to check it out as well. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk. John Carroll men's basketball in the OAC. Now, later in the show, you're going to hear me make some weird reference about our westward uh, trek. For some reason in my head earlier when I taped one or two of these segments with coaches who weren't available to join us live, um, I, for some reason, had this mentality that we were literally starting on the east coast and working our way west tonight. That's not the case. We're starting in the Great Lakes. We're starting in Ohio. We will then head eastbound for the next two guests and then make the leap westbound. I don't know how I got the order out of my head, but that's what we did. So anyway, coming up, John Carroll's Mike Moran will join us here on the show. We'll talk about um, the 7-0 and start, one of the best in, in program history. We'll talk about the OAC with Mount Union and Marietta and certainly the battle that that will be and the battle that will be the Great Lakes when that will become very important come um, tournament time in March. And we'll talk about a, a good friend in the OAC and why I think I finally figured out where that number one vote went to a team no one thought would get a number one vote in the OAC preseason poll. I think I figured it out, and we'll talk to Coach Moran about that next. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. More Hoopsville with Coach Mike Moran from John Carroll, coming up next.
1: Com.
2: Division 3 schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA.
3: I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school.
4: I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me.
3: I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division 3. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience.
4: Being a Division III athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court.
1: I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader.
2: And the end of the day, it won't matter how they play on the field. It will matter how they do in the
5: classroom.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. plenty to talk about tonight, and we're going to get our way through it as we normally do here on the show. And we certainly love any interactions that you may have with us as well. Um theme of the show pretty much is all these teams that maybe aren't getting much of attention. Now this one is certainly getting some national attention. Don't want to say they aren't because it's pretty obvious that they are as a number 11 team on the men's top 25. But they're off to one of the best starts in program history and I think that is certainly where I you know I think the the biggest point is um and I and, it, and it's kind of building off the NCAA tournament uh, appearance at least last week. So I wanted to talk to him. Mainly too, because I'm voting in the top twenty five and I've got plenty of questions about this squad. So joining us on the Hoopsville hotline is Mike Moran from John Carroll. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir.
2: Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it as well. Again, seven and oh start. it's been a decade since that has happened, at least seven straight wins. So just to start the season, you go back to uh, 2004, 2005 when you ripped off 13 straight. I think that season might have been when you got all the way to the Sweet 16 at home. I kind of remember coming to those games, but nonetheless, this is a tremendously good start for you guys this year.
2: Well, uh, I can't argue with you there. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. <laughs> all right then. You're not going to get a you're not going to get a debate out of me on that. Yeah, we're delighted. We're happy. We played some pretty quality teams, and uh, yeah, it's just. You know,
0: things have started well. You uh, start off the season in St. Mary's, Maryland. I wish you had called me before you had done that. I know you traveled practically right past my house to go to that game. Um, I would have warned you that um, besides the team and, the, and a wonderful facility and a crazy head coach, by the way, I know him very well, so I'm wondering okay. if he's listening, um, there's not much else to do out there. But what drew you out there? You played Transylvania in the first game and then the host St. Mary's in the second one. Well, you
2: know, the, the problem is is just scheduling, you know. either you you know, if it, the better, or you know, maybe the reputation of the team, the harder it is to, to the schedule. You know, you, you, ideally speaking, you'd want to get uh, you know top teams in your region on your schedule and that. But yeah, it's it's difficult uh, you know, many a times in that. And you know, it's also a good opportunity for us to get on the road and you know do some nice things for the kids too. You know, they. Yeah, I've learned over the decades that yeah. You know, uh, kids and myself, you forget the, who you played and the scores of the games, but, you know, you remember things like, uh, you know, going to Graceland and seeing Alvis's sure. place and, uh, you know, other things along those lines.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you took on Transylvania and St. Mary's, Birmingham Southern later on when you traveled to Crested View, Kentucky. Uh, that's a lot of travel, Coach. Back and forth from the eastern shore of Maryland uh, and then back down to Kentucky. Granted, Kentucky not nearly as far uh, from your campus as Maryland was uh you played those games at Thomas More and then you took on the uh little known little well known Rust squad um there at Thomas More then Laroche and then you got into conference play um you got to appreciate the fact that you were able to keep that momentum going as you took on Heidelberg Ohio Northern to to start conference action here yeah
2: you know uh you know even like Laroche uh at the given at the time we played them uh they didn't have a great record, but boy, they they just won three straight and they beat three quality teams. So, you know that kind of makes us feel good too. That uh, you know, uh, you know, teams that we have played have seemed to be faring much better as the season goes on too. And Ohio Northern's always tough, and uh, you know, Heidelberg just had a nice win the other day over at Carnegie Mellon. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's basketball, though, Dave. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's the hardest thing in the world to predict, that's for sure.
0: That's the truth. Uh, the other thing that jumps out at me a, on a few of these games, and there's several reasons probably behind it, but they're all high-scoring. 92 for Transylvania, 100 for St. Mary's, 117 against Birmingham, Southern 120 against Rust. He kind of came back to earth a little bit with LaRoe, Chidelberg, and Ohio Northern, 87, 82, and 86, respectfully. But overall you've got a you've got a bit of a high scoring bunch here
2: <laughs> well, I think it's, all, it's because of our system our platooning we do um, you know it's uh, we we try to you know use our you know the numbers as best we can and yeah it creates more possessions for us more shots at the basket and um, you know it's just uh, it's, it's we try to play at a, an uncomfortable pace for the other team and uh, it's, it's been working. Believe me, I'm no different than any other coach. If it didn't work, we would have, you know, uh, gotten rid of the system <laughs> many, many years ago, 25 years ago, in fact, and, but uh, it's, it still works for us. So we, uh, you know, we continue to platoon and play a lot of people.
0: Um, one interesting thing is, and people see your system. You talk about the platooning, uh, it's kind of – it's interesting. It's not the system. It's not the one that Mary, Loyola Marymount Mary and D1 advocated, and obviously Grinnell is, is famous for now running. But you do have the mentality, substitution-wise, where you will sub a bunch of guys, if not all five at the same time. But you're not that running gun system necessarily.
2: No, you know what? I'll tell, tell you what. We uh, kind of – it kind of stems back from – this probably – this is way before your time, uh, football uh, – LSU in football won the national championship. I think it was around 1959. They had a, a group they brought in there called the Chinese Bandits. They're just, uh, you know, a bunch of guys that got out there and they played as long as they uh, were, uh, you know, successful and they, you know, got things done. And, uh, you know, it's like a hockey game, you know, five in and five out. Yeah. And you think about hockey has been around centuries longer than um, – uh, uh, basketball and they got it right, I think. You know, with with a with that type of system, and you know, it, it it creates, I think, a lot of problems for other teams, just because you're really, in a sense, preparing for two separate teams out there. You know, we mm-hmm. do some different things with each unit, and uh, it's amazing how often you know one one you know maybe our, our starting unit doesn't play as well as the you know the the other unit that comes in there, and vice versa. So. Uh, yeah you know and I, and I tell you there's other things too It's just that you have instead of having five or seven happy players you got about twelve happy players and twelve <laughs> happy twelve happy sets of parents
5: yeah <laughs> you
2: know as I, you know it takes a special kind of kid to play in the program though you know one that maybe is not uh, you know really into themselves or has this you know we we never promise any recruit you know x amount of minutes or. Things like that, you know, you have to, you know, you got to be part of a team in this type of program. Well, you played. Like l- I said, knock on wood, it's, it's worked for us.
0: Sure. Well, you've played 11 guys in seven, all seven of your games. You played uh, 13 in at least six, and you've played 17 in at least five. So obviously, it shows you're willing to go deep on the bench. Um, and and you know, as much as you're putting up 97 points, I'm also blown away a little bit by the fact that you don't have a t- you don't have like. And granted, this comes down to minutes, I realize. But you don't have like one or two guys are getting a ton of points. Um, of those who have played uh, all the games so far, um, David Linan is leading at 13.3 points a game. Will Starks at 12.4. Um, I'm going to screw up Antonio's last name, so I'm, I'm just going to let you do it. Uh, 11- Vianchek. Thank you. To- yeah. <laughs> this
2: is Tony Vianchek.
0: Yeah. Vianchek. Actually, I can get that. <laughs> Eleven and a half yeah. points a game. Nine and a half from Ryan. Uh, f- uh, is it Ferrager? Ferrager. Ferrager. And Doug Caputo at nine point three. Nine points from Danny Wallach. I mean, you go down this. You know, you got other guys at just about nine, about seven. It's certainly a well balanced offense as well.
2: are big guys, you know, Simon and uh, Danny Hennessy and you know they. they everybody seems to contribute. To it. Um, you know, and and to be honest with you, you know. Uh, Uh, In the beginning, we were shooting the ball very well, and uh, uh, Dave. As of late, you know, we've had a few games where we really kind of tanked from the three-point arc, and that. And we're trying to try to recapture that. So I think even when you're scoring, you know, in the high 80s, and that with uh, a percentage shooting like that, it tells you that the system itself is uh, is winning games. It's not so, you know, much the uh, you know the you know the perimeter shots or something like that. Uh and uh, well we're we're delighted to be where we
0: are. Um it's interesting because and by the way you may have played more guys than I did. Uh, Antonio's name is in there twice in the stat sheet. So um forgive me maybe Antonio's played so it's 12 guys who've played in all seven. But you know, you look at this roster, you got four seniors on it, but you've got a whole mess of underclassmen. You are a deep roster. Not surprising because of the platoon system, but I just mean in general, what's that mean for, thus for this team to get off onto the start that it's gotten under certainly good leadership, but such a wealth of underclass experience.
2: Well, you know, again, I, Dave, that's the kind of the beauty of a platooning. I mean, you really established debt from year to year. I mean, you know, you got, uh, you know, 12 guys, like you mentioned, that are seeing major minutes primary minutes and, uh, of that twelve of the twelve, you're going to get at least half, three fourths of those kids coming back the year after. Yeah. So it's it's easier to blend in. I mean, it's you know if you take a uh, maybe a program that's you know a prime you know I have two primary players that play about thirty five minutes a game in that, man, you lose those two guys and that's uh, you know what is that forty forty percent of your team right there. Yeah. So um, you know you're, you're, you you build up. Uh, you know, yeah, I think it builds up that debt. You know, it's just like anything. By when you play people, they gain experience. When you have experience, that helps you. That's for sure.
0: Talking to Mike Moran here, um, head coach at John Carroll, and uh, off to a seven and zero start. Of course, two and zero in conference playing. coach, that's the other thing. You got two good wins against Heidelberg and Ohio Northern. Maybe not two teams who are going to fight for the top, but two teams who can cause plenty of headaches in the middle of that conference. Mount Union and Marietta were expected to be first and second, with you finishing third. Uh, at least that's what the preseason pundits, you, being the coaches, um, ha- thought about this. How do you see this OAC shaking out?
2: Well, you know, Dave, you've been following it for a while. You know, it's 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 certainly a lot like uh, the OAC in football, where you know yeah. you have Mountain Union that and everybody else. That. Yeah, yeah, then you have everybody <laughs> else. You know, it's, it's 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 yeah, like last year, you had four teams. You know, in the last three years. We probably had uh, at least three to four teams that that could have won it, you know, going into the last couple weeks of the season, and uh, it, it's a grind. It truly is. I, you know, if you look at, uh, uh, you know, uh, one team from top to bottom, there's so much parity in our conference, and, you know, if you compare that with other conferences, you, I don't think you see that, so... I mean it's so easy to you know to, to drop a game especially on the road uh yeah, I'll tell you what there's uh, there's not too many nights you can sleep with a smile on your face or <laughs> you know relax the you know there's there's truly nothing to look forward to in the o a c from week to week, except I should take that at the end of the season that's why at that my age you start looking forward forward to that
0: <laughs> I can understand that entirely coach um well the the one curiosity I have for it is I mean this this conference has always been competitive but it's gotten deep at the top and quickly in the last couple of years. Um and that's obviously had to change some of your men, your mentality and strategy I assume but how much has it changed the the even the matchups at the bottom of this conference?
2: Well, you know the teams are you know the, you look at um, you know, your Baldwin Wallace, your Capital, and Ohio Northerns. and um, uh, you know those teams. You know, uh, have always had strong teams and fielded strong teams, and uh, and you know they're still in the hunt. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we're we're in the, what week uh, week two of the season here, and uh, I I tell you what, it, it once surprised me. Uh, you know, uh, of of the ten teams. Oh, know, eight, eight, you know, could easily, mm-hmm. you know, compete for this championship. Uh, in in that time, uh it's, you know, like he mentioned earlier, it's it's balance, it's it's it truly is. And you know, if you don't bring everything to the table each game, hey, you're going to go home with a, a frown on your face.
0: Uh, coming up on Saturday, you're going to travel to Willing- Wilmington, and then you're home yeah. against Marietta a week later. Before you'll take your break, I feel horrible for you, coach. You got to go all the way down to Daytona, Florida. That's good. that's the worst thing in the world for you, especially right off right off of a of a great lake like yourself, to suffer and have to go down to Daytona, Florida, in the middle of December. It's horrible. Uh, but you'll take on Rockport State and Bridgewater State down there. So you got two more conference games that are obviously hugely important before you get a little bit of a break and can go down and play some non conference foes to at least shake things up. Yeah,
5: you know, you,
2: yeah. Always been, I, I always thought uh in our conference, if you know, if you can hold your own
5: mm-hmm.
2: at home and you know at least split on the road in our conference, you're going to be in the hunt near the end. You know, and in regards to uh, leaving um, leaving uh, Cleveland, we've had such a nice winter up here. Oh, the weather, beautiful. I don't, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if we're looking forward to this trip. I now. know,
0: I know. <laughs> I, I I'm surprised you booked it. To be honest with you, I really am. I mean, it's not like you're expecting what five six feet by then. I, it's I'm really surprised. Well. Uh, um, one interesting thing, though, last year the OAC got three teams in the NCAA tournament. You guys get that first-round game. Unfortunately, we're unceremoniously punted by Virginia Wesleyan. But what's that mean for this conference to get that many teams in, and on top of that, for you guys to be one of them?
2: Well, I, you got to earn it. I mean, I, I got deservedly so. We've seen mm-hmm. that with other conferences. Uh, on this side of the Mississippi, I'm not gonna name them but uh, you know there's other ones that uh have gotten it. and i I think rightfully so uh we we had some key wins out of um conference last year i think um maybe of the biggest ones we had a victory over uh saint Norbert mm-hmm. right in the beginning year. and you don't know at that time how you know how big that would be and you know and then uh we were able to uh uh beat uh Marietta and uh uh, Mount Union once, so you know those guys, their their teams actually you know you know proved their worth too outside of the conference and that you know you have to do that because uh, within the conference everybody's going to take a couple licks and uh, that's and no one's going to go through unblemished, blemish that's for sure and uh, so you try to play some good people the only problem is when you when you schedule outside the conference. You just never know how teams are going to be uh you know one thing when you're on the road, you're always going to draw the best team the first night. that's a, kind of the rule of thumb and uh, yeah you just you got hope that uh you, you, you know you' you're, you're playing well together
0: um I'll switch gears briefly if you don't mind the oAC vote at the beginning of the season um well, I'll get to that but my question is you um obviously the OAC shook a little bit at the beginning of the season is what I'm trying to get at, when uh, Coach uh, Goodwin, Damon Goodwin at Capitol, announced that he was going to take the year off to fight cancer. You and he came into the OAC at the same time. Um, I'm sure you guys know each other well. I mean, I think some people would classify you as friends. Uh, how did that news, uh, well, first off, I assume you probably knew ahead of time, but how did that news affect you or how has it affected you or how did you take it when you heard it?
2: I have a tremendous tremendous amount of respect for damon i mean he's uh he's an excellent coach he's a competitor uh i, I would like to think he's a younger version of me in a sense <laughs> 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 the only thing, he's a he's a little better looking and younger <laughs> but uh uh you know what uh yeah it, it, I, I mean you know and i know your other question is how did somebody vote for Somebody outside area. Yeah, goes. I've
0: gotten, I've gotten <laughs> word. I've gotten word that that I know where that vote came from, Coach.
2: Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. You know, and I, okay, you know, it's a crapshoot all the time. <laughs> you, you know you and I tell you what, I'm going to put my money on the, you know, on, on, on guys that have done it continually over the many years, like Damon has. You know, he's uh, he's always had a great program. They still have has still a great program. And, um, you yeah, know, I'll tell you what, if I if, if I was wagering at a casino and that, I would you know, I, I, I'd put a few chips always on on, uh, on one of his teams, that's for sure. I was so, going to
0: say, was this also maybe a little tip of the hat to him?
2: You know, no, it's just that you don't want to respect for him. I mean respect yeah. for what he does. And, uh, you know, uh, he's. You know the quality of, of of his program and so forth, and you know just uh, uh, the m- number of battles we've had over the years and <laughs> yeah. that stuff. I mean, you know, it's like yeah, you come out and you feel like you're in a heavyweight fight yeah.
0: half the time,
2: and then, you know, and uh, so it, I, I feel very strong towards you know him and what he does and so forth.
0: Well, it's a a tremendous uh, tip of the hat by you. I I applaud you for it. Let me ask you this, though. The response in the OAC, the response in the Great Lakes has been incredible. Um, There was some OAC, NAC, NCAC games where they raised money uh, to help, um, you know, fight cancer, for lack of a better description, in his honor Um, and, and, and obviously with his thoughts in mind. Um, I know the OAC has rallied in some capacity around this. He's very well respected in that region, as are you. This, this has hit close to home for everybody, and this has been very emotional for everybody. You
2: know, I, I think, Dave, you know, every family, uh, you know, has in some way, shape, or form been hit with uh, that awful disease. Uh, you know, I, my parents, uh, I had a little bout of it myself. And no, nothing that is like Damon or that stuff. And, you know, what, you realize that, uh, you know, the way modern medicine is now and mm-hmm. that uh, eventually they'll, you know, they're going to come up with something. Uh, we're just hoping guys like uh, myself and Damon are around to uh, take advantage of those,
5: yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah.
2: those remedies and that stuff. So uh, I think that's, you know, why probably uh, the NCAA, uh, especially basketball, you know, um, has has really taken uh, taken this project to heart.
0: Well, um, it's certainly a, a nice uh, ode by you guys uh, in the entire conference. I know he probably is well aware of the support from the conference, and I certainly um, am very impressed from afar uh, as well. I appreciate you taking the amount of time you did to talk to me, Coach. I'm um, looking forward to seeing the rest of the way. I'll freely admit I don't know if you've read my blogs, but I sit there voting for you, going, the "I'm apprehensive." I don't know what this blue streak squad is going to be like I've seen you guys you know have the potential and just not be able to pull it off but this seven and0 start has certainly got my head turned uh, I appreciate you coming on and talking a little bit about your team for me uh, as always though I give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in uh,
2: you know I appreciate personally I appreciate this you know uh, you what you have done for uh, Division three basketball. Believe me, that's you and I both know that Division Three basketball is, is centered around you know kids that know why they're in school. Mm-hmm. That you know they're, they're they're searching to get to have those diplomas that are going to help them later on in life, and uh there's it's a special quality person. We're blessed as Division Three coaches which is great kids that you know they have they have their heads you know on their shoulders squarely. They know why they're in school. And that's what makes it neat. I mean that you're you're working with really and truly student athletes. And uh, hey, I thank uh, I thank God and the lucky stars that I I've been able to to hang on and at this level for such a long time.
0: Well, I'm glad I can chat with you once again. Looking forward to seeing how far you guys can go this season and take this. And uh, uh, good luck to you. And if you happen to talk, talk to Coach Goodwin at any point in time, send him our best for us. Could you?
2: Absolutely. Thank you again.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Coach. Take care.
2: Okay. Bye,
0: dude. Bye. Coach uh, Moran, joining us here on Hoopsville again. John Carroll off to that tremendous 7-0 and start. Best start since 2005 when they strung it together 13 straight. Uh, I can't get to that season fast enough. I just remember I got a chance to go to John Carroll for some basketball games. Heck of a sweet 16 round there. It was themselves, Heidelberg, Guilford, and UT Dallas. The fans wanted John Carroll Hodelberg in that sec, in that uh, Elite Eight game for a chance to Salem. The visitors decided to spoil the party. It ended up being Guilford with uh, with Tyler Sanborn um, and um, and UT Dallas in that second uh, Elite Eight game, and it ended up Guilford. Moving on, so pretty impressive. Thank you, Coach Moran, for joining us. When we come back, we got plenty more to talk about. Coach Greg Curley from Juniata will join us. We also still have Ursinus' Margaret White. We have River Falls' Cindy Holbrook and Northwestern's Tim Groves, all before we wrap up the show. Plenty ahead, so stay tuned. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this.
2: Division 3 schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that
4: the student-athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I
3: did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school.
4: I got the Presidential Scholarship, which was huge for
6: me.
3: I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division 3. A lot
2: of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience.
4: Being a Division 3 athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court.
1: I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader.
2: And the end of the day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom.
1: Dot com.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. I want to thank uh, our previous guest, Mike Moran from John Carroll, for joining us on the show. We're off and running here on Hoopsville, still in the first hour. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com. Of course, the theme of the show is really the teams that are catching our attention. Certainly, John Carroll is nationally ranked, but still off to the best start in program history, or at least close to it. Uh, The rest of these interviews are going to be teams that are off to tremendous starts, maybe not getting nationally ranked or getting votes. Maybe they are. But more importantly, they're just off to good starts, and they're catching our attention for whatever varying reasons. Having these extra shows this year, certainly we're used to Thursdays, but having Sunday shows is allowing us to maybe talk to a few extra coaches. That includes some of those that maybe when we get later into conference play, we just don't get a chance to talk to. And certainly goes for the, the team here that we're about to talk to. Landmark Conference, supposed to be Catholics to win with maybe Susquehanna, according to coaches, in the running, and certainly Scranton finishing out the top three. After that, who knows? Well, one team that's making waves is Juniata, mainly because they've already got a win over Scranton, which certainly helps start the season along. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Greg Curley. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir.
7: Thanks for having me, Dave.
0: Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. First and foremost, yeah, 7-0 and start, your 2-0 and in conference play, just how you drew it up, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess you'd take it every year, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, it's a tremendous start. I mean, I uh, went over Allegheny, Casanova, Penn State, Altoona, Washington and Jefferson, Marymount, Elizabethtown, and now Scranton. Now, I wouldn't say well, you played a ton of world beaters at the beginning, but you've been building. Um, right. Certainly, uh, Marymount is trying to turn their program around. Washington Jefferson's usually at least in the conversation. Um, Elizabethtown may be struggling, but they're certainly a, a well-coached program. But that win over Scranton, I think that one's the one that jumps out at me. That's a solid win over a program that you guys had struggled with over the last few years.
7: Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, a lot about your schedule is when you play people. Yeah. Uh, I think we did. You know, I think we've had uh, kind of the benefit of, a, of a, a schedule that leans in our direction. I mean, we've got a lot of programs there that are under transition. And any time you play those teams early in the year, I think you probably have an advantage. Um, but, you know, when we got scrammed, that was their first league game. They had a bye the first week game. So maybe, you know, we had a league game under our belt. Uh, I think that probably helped us early in the game. And, um, you know, it's anytime you can beat uh, a championship-level program like that, that's always something that, uh, you know, to feel good about. Um, but we need to learn from it, and hopefully it uh, helps us get better, and we can move on and be really much better by the time we hit, uh, the you know, the bulk of league play in January.
0: Yeah, league play will restart for you guys on January 2nd when you take on Drew uh, and then Goucher. Both games at home, so that's certainly in a benefit for you uh, to get things kind of re-kicked. You'll also play a non-conference game against Eastern then shortly after that. But you got a couple more games coming up here. Uh, you'll play non-Division 3 Penn State York uh, then an- on Friday and then another team on Saturday in a tournament. And then you'll play Pitt-Bradford on the 19th before taking a break. So you are kind of just pacing yourselves out here, the rest of this part of the schedule.
7: Yeah. um, I mean, it's, it's, this is a tough, uh, I mean, for everybody right now, you know, our guys go into finals next week. um, And I think the way finals go now, I mean, a lot of our guys have exams today and yesterday. So, um, you know, we'll see how we can handle the challenge. Uh, You know, we put Penn State York Friday night, Um, you know, they're explosive, they're dangerous team. Um, They've, you know, beating their share of Division III programs the last few years, so we have to be ready to play. And then I think whoever we play Saturday, um, either Randolph or Carnegie Mellon, um, are both very talented yeah. uh, and offer a, a really big challenge. So I think it's uh, we're excited for the weekend to see what we can do coming off the win against Scranton, see how we handle uh, kind of the academic pressures that, that our guys face. And, uh, you know, again, just keep trying to get better um, and hopefully be prepared again in January.
0: Yeah, again, uh, Randolph certainly well coached, and as you mentioned, uh, Carnegie Mellon a very good team as well. So you've got you know you're going to have a good test at least uh, on Saturday, no matter how uh, tomorrow uh, turns. Um, listen, this program has been kind of going through waves, as it were. I mean, we're not that far removed from the nineteen and ten season in two thousand and twelve, and the twenty one and nine season in two thousand thirteen. And I vividly remember you pulling me aside at the Goucher gym. Um when i think i didn't vote for you in the top twenty five maybe and said, come on give us some credit you guys had a really good squad but it was a tough conference battle i have this feeling you know this year you're off to a tremendous start after a tough twelve and thirteen campaign last year i have this feeling that this start with what looks like now maybe a much more wide open conference race than anticipated earlier on is giving you guys a good chance
7: uh... well i mean we like our chances um... Uh, you know, I, I just think we're, I think we're just worried about ourselves and see if we can get better. I sure. mean, we, we've got a, I, I just really like our group. Um, they really work hard. They play very well together. Um, I, I'm having as much fun coaching these guys as I've had. And I think anytime you feel that way, coming every day to the gym, um, I think the guy, you can see it in the guys, it gives you your best chance to be good. Um, but I think while the conference race is wide open, I, I kind of get the sense that's because there's a lot of really good teams this yeah. year. Uh, I think it's as competitive a league as I've been a part of and so I think there's a lot of challenges and I don't think we're ahead of ourselves in any way I mean in the end we've really just won two home conference games and there's a lot of work to be done
0: um talk a little bit more conference then we'll pivot to your team but you know you're off to a 2-0 start you're tied with Susquehanna at the top and Drew who's off to a 2-0 start Susquehanna also 7-0 Drew 3-4 like I said at the beginning the coaches poll had Catholic number one Susquehanna number two uh, Scranton number three. I don't have it memorized past that point. Um, Susquehanna certainly kind of caught me by surprise. You guys are now off to a good start. Um, Catholics struggling at five and three and one and one in conference play. Uh, Scranton's five and two and zero and one in conference play. But no one has a bad record except maybe Elizabethtown at two and six. Everybody else is about five hundred. How do you actually see this conference playing out? If you aren't the winners of it, who is the winners of this conference?
7: Uh, I, don't, I don't, I mean, that's why, I mean, I, I really think there's probably six or seven teams that have a legitimate chance. Um, I, I think uh, it's going to be hard to get through here on the scale I think there's going to be a lot of really competitive nights. Um, I, I think we have a few things going on. I mean, I think Susquehanna returns uh, a lot of guys, very talented group. I, I, I did anticipate them being this good. Um, I think they can score. Uh, they're obviously well coached. Um, you know, I think Catholic in the end is going to be fine. I, I think coming off last year and the expectations coming the year are just hard for anybody to handle. I think they're working through some lineup stuff, but I, I mean, uh, they're Catholic. I think they'll be back in the next question. <laughs> so I, I don't. I mean, probably about the time we play them. So, um, and you know, I think the same with Scranton. I mean, Scranton lost Ross Danzig. Um, and a couple other key pieces, and, and to lose that much, I mean, as important as he was everything they did, there's a transition period I think they have to go through, um, and league plays a little bit different, so I, I, I don't think we've seen the best from them yet. Um, and then Drew, you know, they're 2-0, and and they haven't played with their best player, so they, they had, you know, Klinger's been out injured for most of the year, and they're still 2-0, and um, so I, I think they're extremely talented, and then, You know, the the coaching changes in the league, I mean, I think Mm -hmm. um, obviously being a goucher and and you being a part of seeing all their games, um, I I think they've, I don't know that talent has been a concern there most of the time. And I think just kind of a new, uh, you know, uh, attitude and focus there. And you can see how dangerous that group is and the kind of job they're doing down there. And then the same thing in Moravian. You know, a lot of energy and a lot of programs in our league that Uh, have really strong histories and the real potential to be very good programs so um, I mean it is really wide open and then you add Merchant Marine who has uh, a whole core back, Um, you know it's a challenging place to play, Um, you know they're very very good in the half court, they have size, um, also extremely well coached so um, again we're just Hoping to have a good practice today and get as many as we can, and try to prepare the best we can for what we know will be uh, a lot of challenges to come.
0: Got to have you on more often. That's the best breakdown of a conference I've gotten in a while. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, but you talk about the coaching, and it's kind of a it's a wide. A plethora of options for coaching. You got Frank Marcenek at, at Susquehanna, certainly been there a long time, very successful. Uh, you got Daryl Keckler at Drew, who's certainly kind of like yourself, kind of in the middle there in the sense of experience, but certainly always gets the best out of his squad. Moravian, new coach, uh, a grad in Justin Potts. Um, Scranton, obviously, Stalworth in Carl Danzig, um, who also actually was up for, I think, a D1 job, according to the rumors. Um, Merchant Marine new coach was Steve uh, Hain, uh Obviously, last year in the in the conference for Merchant Marine, Elizabeth Towns got Bob uh, Schosler, uh, who's been there for a long time and certainly good. And then you obviously Goucher new coach and Tom Rose. Uh, and then you guys. I mean, you have a very interesting conference when it comes to just the coaching side of things.
7: Yeah, I mean it's and it's. I mean that's what you want. Uh, I think the the conference has really improved, and that's what I mean. The depth of the conference is, I think, as strong as it's been. Um, and I think, obviously, where Catholic's been in Scranton the last few years, I mean, that's saying a lot. So, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of what you do it for. Um, and you're, we're all, I think everybody's excited about it. I think, um, you know, competition brings out the best in everybody. So hopefully it improves all our programs and, and uh, the quality of the basketball we play. Uh,
0: I totally forgot to mention Steve House, of course, at Catholic. It was one of those where I said I didn't need to click on that name because I would remember it. And clearly I didn't. But Steve, obviously, he's been there a long time. Uh, Catholic. Let's. Let's pivot to your team a little bit here. You got four seniors on this squad. Three of them, as you've told me, have gotten the significant minutes, but it's not them necessarily leading the way in the stat column. Uh, Marcus Lee, a sophomore center, 17 points a game, 7.3 rebounds a game, uh, living up to the center title. Uh, Brandon, uh, I'm going to hopefully get it right. Martin uh, Martinazzi.
5: Yeah, Martin uh, Azzi.
0: Martin, Martin I'm going to have to get it right at some point when you come visit the Sports and Rec Center. 11.5 uh, points a game. He's also hauling down three rebounds a game. Um, those are the, the, the double-figure guys. Kyle Kohler just outside that column. Yeah, Ten points a game. He's the senior. The first one we hit, 3.6 rebounds a game. All three of those guys, by the way, also don't mind handing out the assists, getting the steals. Mm-hmm. Uh, et Etc. et cetera. you got a bunch of other guys who are certainly contributing uh, as well. Another senior in Nate Ogle at seven points a game, 3.3 rebounds. feels uh, like you've got some good presence inside that 17 points a game from Lee, but at the same time outside of that, very balanced.
7: Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, a lot of ways as Marcus goes, we go. I mean, we try to play for sure. him as much as we can. Um, but, uh, you know, outside of that, we are very balanced. I think that's what our um, has allowed us to get off to a good start. Um, you know, I think it's it's kind of by committee. Um, we have a lot of guys that do a lot of things well, and they complement each other well. And um, you know, this is a group that played together last year for the most part. Um, Brandon Martinazzi is a freshman. He's he's kind of a new addition to the rotation. And you know, we had a struggle through some things last year. Uh, we had lost seven seniors the previous year that had won the most games in the history of our program. So um, you know, whether 12 and 13 is not where you want to be, that that for our program and where we've been, that was actually. A little bit ahead where i thought we might be that year so um, to have these guys back to have that kind of continuity um has really helped Uh, i think guys really kind of know what their roles are and what they can do and what they can't do and um like i said i think they're hungry they really want to be good and, and they're willing to put the work in
0: um obviously you've been at juniata a long time you're closing in on win number 300 if my math is close um is yeah, I'm correct. Two hundred right? I think. Two hundred, yeah. Sorry, I'm adding a hundred, coach, just for good measure. Uh you can get those. <laughs> um, but yeah, closing in on two hundred should say. There it is, right there on my notes. Um, in your sixteenth season. What's it like to, to close in on a on a number like that, especially where you've been in a program that's had a lot of ups and downs?
7: Um, I don't know. I mean it's I I think it's more about, you know, the guys I've had a chance to coach for the last fifteen years and what they've done. Um, You know, when we got here, uh, we hadn't had a winning season in over 25 years. Yeah. Um, You know, prior to 2001, there's only 11 winning seasons in the history of our school. So, I I think to accomplish what we have and to kind of have, you know, uh, to build a level of consistency for, for our program and our environment, I think we're very proud of. And hopefully we can continue to keep taking steps. And, you know, I just you know hopefully this group uh, we get the most out of the guys we have and at the end of the year we can all look at each other and realize that we we did everything we could and we became the best program and team we could be for the year and keep moving from there
0: um your brother of course uh coaches at mcdaniel um you'll at least hit 200 before him that's at least something you can mention at christmas time
7: well yeah i've got a few years ahead started as a a head coach on him but uh yeah (laughs) um and that and, and we both Try to play some defense. So, yeah. Talk about that a little bit. But that's a, other than that, uh, uh, he's doing a great job. And uh, uh, unless they play us, I'm always rooting for those guys. So, I was going
0: to say, how do you two get into coaching? I mean, there's a lot of ways brothers get into coaching. In the NFL, you talk about the Harbaughs and you talk about the Ryans. There's certainly some other brothers in the basketball world that have certainly, but how do, how do you guys get into it? Obviously, you, you, were, you know, you graduated back in the mid 90s. Uh, was it Penn State Barron? Um, I know I got that confused with you. Went from Allegheny. Um, I coached there for a little bit. I, I, right. I, you're a I Baron at for coaching, County. yeah. But how do you guys get into coaching together? Is that something that both of you kind of after you played, kind of said, "Hey, we'd love to both do it," or is it that you went into it and then your brother was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll do it too," or is it completely on its own?
7: Um. Well, I, I mean, I we grew up in state college, so yeah. Um. And we, I mean, I was a ball boy for Penn State, and so was my brother, and so we grew up. Saturday mornings going to Penn State practices and Washington practices. Uh, our dad was a walk on there for a couple years. Um, and so it's kind of been in our blood. And, um, and I kind of always knew since I was four or five um, that I, I didn't figure the NBA was an option. So <laughs> I kind of uh, thought that I wanted to be a coach. Um, went to college with the idea of maybe going to law school, but then uh, really knew shortly that I, that's what I was going to do. I think my brother came to the idea of coaching a little bit later. Um, he got out of college and was living in state college and started coaching um, junior high basketball for a year or two, and then uh, turned that into college coaching opportunities. First one was at Bethany, um, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, so but it's been neat. It's been uh, cool to go through it together. Um, you know, he started uh, my senior year in college. He started at Bethany, uh, so we're a year different. Uh, he started a year before I did, but. Um, You know to go through it at different levels and to have somebody that's going through the same thing has been great it's just my brother and i we don't have any other brothers or sisters so uh probably all the credit goes to our parents for (laughs) for, uh raising two coaches and putting up with two coaches so
0: putting uh, up for is probably the better one there yeah
7: it's been special It's it's neat um and you know there's there's somebody that you can get advice from and somebody can tell you to you know, suck it up, and everybody else goes through it, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, you know at least some perspective, and um, and uh, you know, somebody that you can trust.
0: What is it about Division Three, though? You talk about going to Penn State practices. You you certainly got your dad was D one. You you, you experienced, uh, granted, walk on, but you experienced the D one life. I know you played Division Three, but usually a guy who has at least some of that D one experience, at least in their blood, in some way eventually wants to move on to d1 now you're an athletic director at juniata doesn't look like you're going anywhere but staying in division three why
7: um well i mean uh part of its opportunity um but part of it is just you know the chance to run your own program and um you know i I just really enjoy coaching the kind of kids that we get at a place like juniata um you know i I don't mind kind of the underdog tag and in some of the kids we get and Uh, I like the balance and the focus um, academically, um, you know, and and just breaks along the way. Uh, You know, there were certain times when that may or may not have been an option, but it just wasn't the right time. And, um, you know, I I just would rather run my own program. I was fortunate enough to be a head coach since I was 27. So, um, you know, you don't get those opportunities at the higher levels. And my brother was at Colgate for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. you know, to really break in and become a head coach, um, the odds are stacked against you. And, and for me, you know, it's the game. You know, I like coaching the game uh, more than the rest of the stuff. And I, I think at this level, you get to do that. You, the creative side gets to come out when you get to plan your own practices or come up with your own system and be a part of that. So I've always really enjoyed that. And I've, you know, I'm at a place where I've been, I think I've been treated very well. Um, it's a place you can be proud to say you're a part of it. And, you know, certainly the academics. Um, and the experience you have with the student-athletes here is, I think, second to none.
0: Your brother, Kevin, uh, and you have told me before that you guys will scrimmage, but you'll never play each other in a regular season game. And I'm I'm going to ask for the umpteenth time, why not? It would be so much fun.
7: <laughs> well, we, we, we got in a fight with each other at halftime of a scrimmage, so I don't think uh, the family could handle a game.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, it would be awesome to see Juniata and McDaniel taking on each other in a regular season game. Curly v. Curly. I I don't care if there's a fight in the middle of a scrimmage. Come on.
7: Well, no one would want to see it anyway because it would be like 2 2 at halftime and both (laughs) of us would be upset. (laughs) uh, uh,
0: Yeah, you both preach defense and then get angry at your offense.
7: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh,
0: I know how that is. I I see them do it all the time.
7: Yeah, yeah, Uh, I mean, I I think both of us, you know, a little bit where we are, I think we know kind of where we stand in our leagues and how we have to approach things and. Um, you know, and we also just believe in it. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot that can be learned from playing defense that maybe can't be learned from places that are maybe more about offense that translate beyond just basketball. And, and uh, you know, I, I think we just want to know uh, that our kids are tough and play together, and I think that shows up on the defensive end.
0: Uh, I certainly can agree with that. But I, I will say I'm going to have to somehow do this behind the scenes. I'm going to have to either get you two at a tournament <laughs> without realizing it and then pay someone to match you up. I don't know i got to pull this off. I realize you two being brothers, you're going to talk it over anyway, so it's that's probably right. never going to happen.
7: Well, you know, it'll be the NCAA tournament. Uh, oh, there
0: we go. Oh, you two make the NCAA tournament. I am calling the committee.
7: That's, that's right. what I'm
0: doing. That's fine with us. <laughs> yeah, in that case, you don't mind at all. I don't, no. I, I, can, I can imagine that one for sure. Hey, well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Always love chatting with you. Um, looking forward to seeing you when you come traipsing through Goucher, which I, I said before the air was January 5th, but that's when they come to your place. I won't see you until the end of February. Wow.
5: Yeah.
0: Oh, no, for end of January. End of January, 27th. Um, so looking forward to seeing you there. Um, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to give me or give the viewers, I should say, uh, before we let you go?
7: No, I just appreciate you having us on and uh, appreciate the, all the work you do for Division Three basketball.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Good luck the rest of the way, obviously, this big weekend, and uh, we'll look forward to watching how you do in conference play.
7: Thank you.
0: All right, Greg Curley joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Again, team off to a tremendous 7-0 start, 2-0 and in landmark play out of division or out of Conference games, one of them is an out-of-division game, I think. Actually, it's technically not. Penn State-York, then it's either Carnegie Mellon or Randolph, and then Pitt-Bradford to finish off to take a break, and they'll get back into conference action with Drew on the 2nd of January. Uh, Due to the lopsidedness of the conference right now, they will have a a game against Eastern out-of-conference just to keep things rolling and then back into conference as well when we come back uh we'll uh continue with the mid-atlantic theme believe it or not and we'll switch gears talk women's basketball a team you probably didn't realize off to a pretty good start ursinus on top of the centennial conference in women's basketball at four and zero. talk to them coming up here on Hoopsville. you listen to Hoopsville, presented by d3hoops.com the national association of basketball coaches more Hoopsville right after this
2: i'm a division three student athlete and i know how powerful words can be The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
3: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms.
6: If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III.
3: I'm a current Division III student-athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first-year student-athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally.
6: If you can play, you can play Division 3 I'm a Division Three student-athlete, and I believe student-athletes can help break down the barriers of exclusion.
7: I pledge to support
3: and encourage my teammates
7: to
6: support my campus's LGBTQ student group
3: by volunteering and participating in events. If you can play, you can play in Division 3 I'm a Division Three student-athlete and I believe that everyone should be educated on LGBTQ issues.
6: I pledge to work with my athletic department and my campus to foster dialogue and create a community of support, respect, and pride. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We are
5: Division Three student-athletes and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, We talked all show that we're going to have a bit of a westward trend with this show. Uh, this segment's gonna be slightly different. One, because we're staying in region, which is pretty rare with us, as you know, if you're a longtime friend of the show, you'll know that we tend to stick with one region only with a regional reporter. We don't tend to go with double coaches, but we are in this case. And we're slightly going east first before back to our westward trend. Um actually it's all a lie anyway. It just feels like we're going west. Um Staying in the Mid-Atlantic region, we're talking uh, Juniata basketball last segment. Now we're talking Ursinus women's basketball in the other. Now, you may be a little surprised we're talking Ursinus women's basketball Started the season 0-3, but it's their last four wins that have gotten our attention because they're all conference wins in a conference they're not supposed to be in the battle with, and one of the wins is over a team who's supposed to be on top and is struggling. So what is going on? We figured, we well, the only way to find that out is to go – talk to their head coach. and So joining us on the Hoopsville hotline is uh, Margaret White, head coach at Earth Sinus for women's basketball. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville.
6: Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for taking the time. Um, First and foremost, uh, yeah, that 0-3 start. We'll get to the 4-0 stretch right now, but that 3-0 start, probably not exactly how you drew it up.
6: (laughs) Not quite. I don't think any uh, first-year head coach Hopes that they go out uh, 0-3 to start, but um, we learned a lot, you know, we played some tough teams in our opening tournament, and then our first home game was against a really tough Albright team, and for a group that I think is trying, was still trying to figure out what our expectations were as a new coaching staff, trying to figure out how we were really going to come and play together, um, we, we learned a lot, so I think in hindsight, it was actually a really good thing to have that kind of a start.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll talk about being a first year head coach in a bit, but that is certainly the the wrinkle, as it were. Uh, you know, listen, it's not like those three losses were were bad either, um, in a sense of who you were playing. You lost to a Gwyneth and Mercy squad who's out to a seven and one start. They're only lost right. to the Sales. You lost to a Lycoming squad who's five and three to start the season. That was their second game of the year, um, and you lost to Albright, um, who's off to an eight zero oh start to the season. So it's not like you want to necessarily hang your head. You played three very good squads in the East, I mean, in the mid-Atlantic and Atlantic regions.
6: Right, right. And that's what we talked a lot about, you know, after each of those games in the locker room and when we came back to campus and regrouped. um, That's what we talked about. And I think that's what was impressive about our team is that they didn't hang their heads at all. They actually came back ready to go and excited for the start of conference play.
0: Um, Of course, you got into conference play and you uh, had a battle, but beat uh, by Swarthmore by 11. Swarthmore kind of resurging in the conference. They're three and four overall, two and two in the conference. Beat f and f certainly struggling, one and eight overall, one and four in conference play. Uh, then you got a Dickinson squad, four and four overall, one and three in play. And then you nipped Hopkins. Um, probably helpful. The game was at home, got them by one. Of course, Hopkins is off to a two and five start, one and two in conference. This is a team that's supposed to be battling McDaniel for the top of this conference.
6: Right, right. Um, yeah, that that we uh, they gave us everything we could handle and, and then some. We uh we knew we had to be really prepared and play really tough defense. Um that that was really our main goal was to really be aware of they have so many weapons on offense and they're so well coached, so we needed to bring our best defensive game and um we, we did that for, for most of the game, so we were we were really happy with that.
0: Um, 50-49, I went and checked the box score. My first moment of, of having a double take, I saw four periods. I'm like, wow, that went double overtime. No, four <laughs> quarters. Um, I'm like, it's a really low-scoring affair for a double <laughs> overtime game. Uh, but still, 50-49, um, a big win. By the way, we should mention, we're talking to you. You're playing right now. Uh, this is a pre-taped <laughs> interview. Uh, they're taking on Cabrini. I meant to mention at the beginning of the segment. But still, 50-49 win over Hopkins is... Listen, that's a big win for you guys, and obviously you're playing well. But is Hopkins also off to as bad a start as that seems like it is from your vantage point?
6: Um, I don't. I don't think that's really fair for me to say. Like I said, I, I, they they are so well coached. They have yeah. so many weapons. They they played uh, quite a handful of. They have a lot of freshmen this year. Yes. And they got some minutes. Um, so I'll tell you, they were they were tough to beat the first time around, and I know they're going to be even tougher to beat the second time. So yeah. um, I I won't be surprised. You know this conference. Has so many, um, you know, so many power players. I won't be surprised if they uh, if they uh, regroup.
0: Yeah, Nancy's already circled January sixteenth on her schedule. Uh, <laughs> you guys at their place, um, lo- yeah. I would admit you're you're in for a battle with them. I suspect Nancy's going to be re- exacting some revenge in conference in the second <laughs> half. Um, but back to your team again. You know, four seniors on this squad. You're led by three of them, uh, Jessica Parada. Uh, 17.7 points a game um, hauling down 8.3 rebounds a game. Obviously that's your big um, presence inside. Alyssa Polamini 13.7 points a game. She's also hauling in six rebounds a game. Uh, Caroline uh, Shimrock 7.4 points a game. Of course, Shimrock is just kind of your, a good shooting presence for you. I should mention Polini, by the way, also handing out five assists. So there's your trio of seniors out of the four that you have. They're clearly leading the way on in the stat sheet, and I have a feeling they're kind of leading the way on the team as well.
6: Yeah, that really has been the case. You know, we have four great seniors, and and Alana Roadcloud, who um, you know, really does a lot on the de- defensive end for us and rebounding wise. They've they've really put the team on their back. You know, when we met, actually during my interview process, we, we talked about how this group had yet to experience playing in the Centennial Conference playoff.
5: Mm-hmm. And
6: so that's been something that we've openly talked about, <laughs> um, that we've kind of embraced, that that's really something that they deserve to experience and that this group really wants to do for them.
0: Yeah, kind of one of those, hey, coach, no pressure, but.
6: <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah,
0: we, <laughs> we want to experience the playoffs. Of course, top four. I'm sorry, te- technically Uh, was it top five
6: top five and then there's that play-in game on a wednesday right yeah so
0: you get the play-in game and then it's all four on a friday saturday scenario uh at one location i should have mentioned road cloud um she may not get a ton of points at four and a half but she's hauling in the most rebounds at nine and a half a game you talk about that certainly that's on the defensive end six and a half of those nine and a half are on the defensive end so certainly a big presence inside defensively you are a first-year coach um we'll talk about your background in a bit but what is the process? To, one, you take over for a long-time coach. So it's it's kind of especially with these seniors learning a new system, learning a new person, mm-hmm. learning a lot of new things in their final year. That's got to be tough on them, but it's also got to be a little bit challenging for yourself.
6: Yeah, um, I think definitely, you know, when when we started out, we had a lot of conversations about needing to get to know each other as individuals and as a larger group and it's it was fun you know the nice thing about basketball is that we don't start until october so you yeah. have a little bit of time on campus to really do some of that stuff and i think it was helpful and i think ever since we've gotten on the floor every day we just learn more and more and i think we've as, as a coaching staff have figured out where we can challenge them and and push them a little bit outside their comfort zone but in a way that they still gain confidence out of it and every, every day we're kind of reevaluating how we need to do that and learning more about people individually in terms of what we see. But it's, it's been really fun. This group has really embraced it. Um, they've embraced you know, me as a head coach and, and my assistant coach also. And it's, it's been really fun. And I couldn't ask to be at a better place with better administration, campus support, our fellow coaches down the hallway. It's just been um, I've been really lucky to, to have my first shot here.
0: Ah, uh, Jim Buckley was the the head coach. Prior announced his retirement in late March. If I know the timing of things, and I'm kind of gauging uh, some other you know coaching changes in the region and how coaches were hired, I think you got hired probably what Mayish, late um, April, early,
6: early June. Early oh, June. it was early June. Okay,
0: yeah. so it was later than I thought. But still, at that point, students are off the campus. You don't have a chance to meet with them yet. Your first chance to really meet with them, unless they live in the area or decide to travel back to meet you. Except, obviously, you met them during the interview process. But, I mean, truly meet them as a coach probably came when they got back on campus. So, right. a little bit of a truncated kind of meet and greet and let's get going type scenario.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's really not much lag time. And then before you know it, October rolls around and you've got basketballs in your hands. So, yeah. um, it was, it was kind of going in fast forward. But we tried to do some stuff from a distance over the summer um, and, and a lot when we came back on campus and just really just spending quality time getting, getting to know people. Um, as as much as we could so that that was our main focus and then like I said once we started the basketball part that's kind of the commonality and I think that was where they became really comfortable is when you're just talking basketball now Um, so that kind of helped us actually then kind of get into fast forward a little bit.
0: Of course uh, Centennial has a truncated preseason not as truncated as the NESCAC but shorter than everybody else's Full month of prep, so you had to deal with that. But that's not unfamiliar for for you. You are a Gettysburg grad. You played in this conference. Um, you were a team captain for that Gettysburg unit, graduating back in '09. You you know how this works.
6: Yeah. <laughs> yep. There, uh, I have some great memories of playing in the conference, and uh, yeah, that that whole uh, one week delay on the start it, it brought me right back to uh, some good <laughs> conditioning days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's all it's all uh,
0: familiar territory. I mean, I, I, I have my opinions that maybe the, the one month for everybody else has gotten a little bit long. But do you still feel like you're handicapped or, or is your timing with the centennial to the point where it's the right mix of granted? This is your first year, so I don't know how much you can <laughs> gauge this, but the right mix of practice without wearing the team out before that first game.
6: Yeah, I would say, um, I think as a coach, there's always, well, at least I can't say always, but this year I experienced that. I felt like there was still so much more from a coaching perspective that we wanted to teach. Sure. But when I really think about it from a player's perspective, I think it it is a good mix because you're starting to play people, um, you know, who aren't just your teammates at a time when you're kind of ready to do that. Um, So I think from a player's perspective, it's nice. Probably from a coach's perspective, you always wish you had more days to put in
0: more stuff. As a former soccer player, I think after... Geez, even a week of practice, but 10 days, especially, we were dying to play somebody else.
5: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't
0: imagine going three weeks uh, in basketball, though sometimes there's a scrimmage in there, but that's a that's a long period of time. Um, now, certainly your experience with the conference helps, um, but you kind of stepped away from the conference with your coaching experience. You went to Elmira, you went to Vassar, and you went to Case Western Reserve, where you're an assistant for all three of those tours of duty and at least for two years i think for with all of them mm-hmm. what did you get I mean, those are three very different programs and Myra, vassar case western reserve some similarities especially with vassar and case western to what gettysburg and the centennial is but still right. all three of them very different what did you gather from those three stops um, that that you think you're relying on or you hope you're going to be able to lean on here
6: yeah i was i was really fortunate to be in positions where i worked for some tremendous head coaches um, not only learning X to the nose pieces, but just how to manage a team and all the behind the scenes and um, you know orchestrating player people management, all the things that go into it. So I was really lucky that I also worked for people that pushed me outside of my comfort yeah. zone as a coach, and I think really, um, especially towards the tail end, really pushed me to start thinking like a head coach before I became one. So I feel like that preparation and working at, you know, high academic institutions with really competitive basketball programs and super competitive conferences really prepared me and, you know, really made me uh, ready to come back to the Centennial Conference here.
0: When you were there in 09, how competitive was the Centennial?
6: Um, you know, it's changed a little bit. Um, from my recollection of playing days, there wasn't as much parity as there is now. And I think that's one thing yeah. I've seen from going from a player to a coach is now, Everyone can win on every single night, and that that existed then. But I would say it's even more amplified yeah. um, in recent years, and that's that's really the exciting. I was part. just I
0: just looked it up. That was back when Muhlenberg's domination. Now, your your sophomore year, McDaniel and Dickinson, uh, Muhlenberg and Ursinus all had 19 or plus win seasons. You guys were 15 mm-hmm. and 11. The next year it was Muhlenberg and F&M, and then kind of everybody else. You guys were 18 and 10. The following year, Muhlenberg was just hands in Shoulders above everybody. Twenty-six and four. And the nearest closest team was McDaniel at fifteen and twelve, and you guys at fourteen and eleven. You all were seven games back
6: Yeah, uh, the for the memories, Dave.
0: yeah no problem, no problem. Just wanna, I'm helping everybody else. Helping everybody else. Uh, Muhlenberg was eighteen and zero. Gettysburg, McDaniel, Dickinson, F&M, and Hopkins all tied eleven and seven. Swarthmore somehow at eleven and eight. I think that's probably a typo on our on our system at D3Hoop. So yeah, you you're in a different way. The, the conference this year from one who knows it, uh, being in the area, feels strangely open. You know, McDaniel's certainly the favorite, but I wouldn't say they're they're a runaway favorite. Hopkins is off to a weird start, as we've talked about. Muhlenberg's off to a tremendously good start, but who knows how that translates in conference. Swarthmore's reappearing. Gettysburg, under a new coach, is reappearing. Dickinson's in the conference. How's your feel of the conference?
6: Yeah, I mean, that, that's the exciting piece, is I, I think – You know, you see people in the conference playing really competitive out-of-conference schedules to get ready, Um, and and you know that on any given night anybody can win. So it it makes – there's a sense of urgency to every game, and I think that just helps every team. And then no matter who ends up advancing to postseason play, they're ready, and they're going to be a great representative of the conference when it goes to the NCAA tournament also. So I think it's it's all really good stuff, even though it makes it difficult um, trying to sneak into the playoffs it uh, really makes the conference that much better.
0: Let's pivot back to your team a little bit here. Eight and 17 last year. You're already halfway to that win total. Is there a little bit of a buzz in the, on the, in the locker room? Does, do the team realize that maybe they can pull off something cool this year?
6: Um, yeah, I think there's definitely you know, there's a lot of positivity. We, we have fun every day in practice. I think um, at the same time they're doing a great job of balancing the focus with the excitement piece. Um, and so, you know, as, as coaches, we, we talk, you know, we want to make sure that we're still pushing them and challenging them and, you know, letting them know that it's it's good to celebrate, you know, each victory. But at the same time, at some point, that becomes in the past and you've got to focus on the next one. And I think our team is really embracing that right now, um, which is which is really nice to see.
0: As you mentioned, playing Cabrini we will have a score update later in the show. You then on Saturday will take on Lancaster Bible in out-of-conference Uh, action, and then you'll take on DeSales in non-conference action. But the difference between those two games is about three weeks. Lancaster is off to about a three-and-one start here. Uh, DeSales off to a four-and-three start. Um, You got that three weeks coming up. Nothing. I assume you didn't have much control of this schedule. I have a feeling a lot of this was kind of pre-booked before you took over. Exactly. Um, You do have this three weeks break coming up. How are you preparing for it with your team?
6: Yeah, um, it's something that we've started talking about to make sure that, you know, we have great accountability and that, you know, we're going home and definitely getting our rest, which we need um, over winter break, but then making sure that we're coming back and we've got really productive practices. And, you know, like you said, we jump right into playing to sales on the fourth. Um, so, you know, we're approaching it as you know, one game at a time, and that we're coming back to really work hard and spend some good quality time together. I think winter break is a, is a nice time in basketball season where you can really come together as a group. Mm-hmm. So we're going to make sure we're doing a lot of things like that um, to make sure that we're the best group we can be um, through January and February.
0: Um, curiosity, uh, before we let you go, you know, we talk about, you know, the previous head coach, and now you take over. You come in with a different mentality. What is – Without giving me X's and O's because coaches (laughs) might want to steal the ideas, Um, but what is your mentality for the team? Is this an up-tempo type of offense? Is this a half-court? Are you a zone type of defender? Are you man-to-man? Are you a mixture of everything? Where, Where do you get your inspiration, at least for this season?
6: We we talk a lot about um, wanting to be the most prepared team on the floor and the hardest working team on the floor. And if you can control those two things, then we're gonna be in a position to, to win every game. So that's what we talk about every day. That's what we talk about on game days. Um, and we kind of let the chips fall where they may, but we're definitely working to be uh, really prepared and really, really hardworking all year long. Um, So that's the goal. Of
0: course, again, playing days plus your three-year tours of duty as an assistant coach. You played under four, probably four very different programs, four different mentalities, four different offensive mentalities, four different defensive mentalities. I'm sure you can bring a lot to the table. Is there anything that you – not that you learned you didn't like. Let me rephrase that. Is there anything that you you can take from that, you can use, that you are using, or is it with all of that you even kind of start anew?
6: Yeah, I think I think it's a mix of everywhere I've been. Like I said, I've wor- worked with some really tremendous coaches, and every, every once in a while, I hear them all—all all their voices—come into my head <laughs> at different times. Um, so I got to give them all all credit. I I really value what what I learned at each spot, and even even the former uh, players I worked with. You know, you check in with them and, and hear from them a little bit, and it's nice. Um, it's nice to be able to take pieces of what you've done with other people and see if you can make it work. Well, at the same time making sure you know your personnel and what's going to work best for them. So it's definitely a mix. Every day it's kind of something new, and I'm still learning as I'm going. But um, I've got I've got the support of a lot of people behind us, which is nice.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking about the team. Congratulations on the coaching job, and obviously congratulations on starting 4-0 in the Centennial. For a four and three record, uh, we'll see how you do the rest of the night. As obviously, this is pre-taped. You're playing Cabrini as we speak. Uh, As always, Coach, on this show, we provide or we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
6: Um, Sure. I just, you know, from a former player perspective and now a first-time head coach, I really appreciate what you guys do to promote our game. You know, on the Division three level and the student athlete experience, and you know, especially on the women's side of things, I think it's really valuable how much. You all promote our game there, so I know all coaches and, and student athletes really appreciate what you do.
0: Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. it just dawned on me—I'm I'm now been doing this long enough that coaches or players could be turning into coaches. That's <laughs> just not fair, um, and I don't feel like I've been doing it that long. But nonetheless, uh, thanks so much. Good luck the rest of the way. Certainly looking forward to seeing you. I, I may even run into you when you when you're down the Baltimore area, depending on schedules. And uh, look forward to seeing how we do this year, but beyond that as well.
6: Great. Thanks a lot. I Absolutely. appreciate it.
0: Take care margaret white joining us from ursinus we appreciate her taking the time to do that uh when we come back i I lied at the beginning talking about this westward trend we really actually kind of start in the middle go east and then go back west anyway speaking of that we will stick with women's basketball and we will head west we'll head all the way out to wisconsin talk about a team that maybe no one's talking about in the wiac and maybe they should be the attention's on oshkosh the attention's on whitewater but have you looked at river falls lately Cindy Holbrook will join us. The team is off to an undefeated start. We'll talk about that coming up on Hoopsville. Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this.
3: College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built.
6: Division three allows you to
4: be able to give yourself to other things, not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to.
3: There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major.
4: Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus.
3: Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in the campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Um, of course, you can always interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, via email. It's always scrolling at the bottom of your screen, so check it out. Twitter at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Heck, there might be an Instagram account sometime in the future. We've certainly debated about it, et cetera, et cetera. But lots of ways to interact with us, whether we're on the air or off. We certainly hope you'll take advantage of those. Obviously, lots to talk about. Uh, Still a few more guests here tonight, and then we'll move on uh, and wrap up the show as well on our final Thursday show before the holiday break, at least for Thursday shows. Um, whole theme tonight has been, have you noticed us? You know, the teams that have come out of the gate certainly playing well, have some maybe significant wins or something that certainly drew my attention to them. A lot of teams can come out of the gate sometimes uh, against subpar opponents and be undefeated and then take on their first tough opponent and, Nowhere to be found. Well, not necessarily the case with all these opponents. Now, certainly not all undefeated, but certainly, as you've noticed, as we've talked to them so far, getting attention or maybe not getting enough attention. And so with the extra shows in the beginning of the season, we get to talk to different coaches. One of those that caught my attention out of the WIAC was River Falls. Women's basketball off to a 7-0 and start and just got their first ever win against St. Olaf. They've played them five times and now have a win, beating them by 12 um, earlier this week. So that kind of seemed to me like a no-brainer, at least in theory. So let's go to the Hoopsville hotline and bring in the women's coach from Wisconsin-River Falls, Cindy Holbrook. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville.
8: Thanks a lot, Dave. How are you all?
0: I'm doing well. Thanks for joining me. I certainly great. appreciate it. Um, and yeah, talk about a great start. 7-0 and on the season. You know, some of those schools are, are, you know, certainly haven't had great seasons either, but you've also gotten some big wins. Gustavus Adolphus comes to mind and that big win over St. Olaf just the other night. Yeah, we've we've played some tough
8: teams, especially the, some of the MiC teams that we've played. Um, Bethel's got a great team, and yep. we were glad to have them on our home floor. So uh, beating Saint Olaf over at their place was a fantastic win for us. And then when we played Simpson and Gustavus down in that uh, Gustavus tournament, I thought those were two tough t- tough games too. So I like the schedule that we've had so far. Our team's playing pretty well, and um, you know, obviously we've got another tough one coming up this weekend, but. But I, you can't really complain with a seven and zero start.
0: No, certainly not. Um, and again, Bethel three and four, Gustavus I think five and two. Simpson, well, a nine point win over them uh, at four and four, as you talked about at that tournament at Gustavus. Uh, certainly a great start. And and you're, I wouldn't say you're winning easily. Bethel was a two point win, but you've got a couple in there that are certainly sizable. I mean, fifteen points over Gustavus Adolphus. We talked about the twelve over St. Olaf. Um, it's got to be nice to have a little bit of a comfortable lead late in the game.
8: It is, it, especially early in the season. You know, we're making some mistakes right now at the sure. end of those games where where we want to be able to close out games and kind of go through that growth process right now as a team. So, we're, you know, even when you're up by 12 or 15, it, it gives you a little <laughs> leeway to make some mistakes, but it, we're certainly trying to grow through those and do a better job with that. Um, but, yeah, our, our kids are playing well and putting some points on the board right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and sizable. I mean, you've been in the 70s almost every game. I think the only one was a two-point win over Bethel was 61-59. Otherwise, it's been solid 71, 72, or 73-point games uh, with Gustavus being 76. Did you expect this start from the season?
8: Uh, you know what? We we felt like we had a good team. We felt like we had a good team coming into this year. Um, I'm, not, I'm not generally somebody that kind of goes through and figures out what what I expect. Sure. Looking at our schedule, I think I knew it would be tough to to be where we are right now. But um, you know what? We knew we had a good team. Adding Bryn to our team really has made a difference for us. Um, we added her to some other good players, which which you add a point guard that can put some points on the board and get the ball where it needs to go, and it's that's a game changer for us.
0: This is a junior dominated team, though you do have a one senior on the squad, but a number of juniors. So certainly, but looking at a roster like that, looking at a season like this, you kind of say, well, next year is certainly boating well, and obviously we're not looking to next year, but this is a nice start for this program with where your talent is located class-wise.
8: Yeah, you know what? We needed to do this. We didn't We didn't have the season that we wanted to have last year. I thought we struggled. We made. We didn't make a lot of good decisions. Our immaturity really shined through when we were heavy sophomores. Um, our maturity is shining through a little bit more. Adding, adding Brent to that mix really made a big difference for us, but... Our junior class right now is playing really, really well. Their maturity, their decision making, um, you know, as juniors is just so much different than, than having a heavy group of sophomores, so sure. we're excited about our group. They they have a lot to learn, um, and we're kind of going through those, some of those growing pains a little bit right now in practice and trying to prepare for some of these games, but um, you know, these kids, the kids that are here right now have been playing for, like getting a lot of minutes since they've been here. Um, we before that group we graduated that group that played in the NCAA tournament and we had five seniors that year graduated really almost all of our scoring and so these kids were kind of the replacements behind those guys and now we're really seeing some of the dividends from that group
0: well the seven wins we'll talk about the team specifically in a bit but the team you know seven wins that's one more already than two seasons ago and you're two wins below what you were already last year so nine and sixteen last year six and nineteen the year before you're already at seven and oh so in some cases you're already playing with house money to the to the fact that you're building past it looks like the last couple of years. Of course, not that far removed from that twenty-one and seven campaign back in two thousand eleven and twelve. I'm sure that's that would be like uh, where you'd like to get back to. Yeah,
8: you know, of course it, that kind of set the bar for where we want to be as a basketball program. That was a that was a team that we had that was really senior dominated, had some really dynamite players that could carry you when you hit those those tough patches yeah. during the game. Um, You know, you graduate all those kids and when you graduate five at a time, I think having a class of five Mm. that are all playing and are all contributing and carrying your team, when you graduate five at a time, that's a really big class for a college team. So you come in and you have some some building and some development to do behind those guys. And this group that we have right now, you know, with Katie Messman and Rochelle, Mayhus, Taylor Carghee, some of those kids, they've been going through those growing pains. Um, They got thrown into the WIAC probably earlier than they were ready. Um, and it's that's just that's just part of the deal when you come into this conference and you're young.
0: What's the win over St. Olaf mean? I mean, f- you previously played him four times, came up with losses. This time you come back with a big win. Is that the perfectly timed um, um, victory, considering you've got a big opponent with Luther coming up and Augsburg and you'll take a break and then get back into conference play?
8: You know, it, it is. that was a... We feel like we have a really tough non-conference schedule here this first stretch, just yeah. against some of the MIC teams and some of the strong MIC teams. So going over to, to St. Olaf's place and having one week left of classes and kids, you know, in college as you approach finals week, kids get a little distracted and it's harder to keep them um, prepared and moving forward so I was really happy with the way our team came out. So, you know, going over to St. Olaf, they, they had some great players on that team and some they run some things that were tough for us to match up against. but you know, we felt like we were prepared for the game, and anytime you get a win against a good team in another conference that's that's close by, that's in our region, that we're going to be compared to as the season goes on, I think that's really huge, not only for us but for our conference. So, you know, that I think that was a really big win for us.
0: Another big game against Luther coming up. They're seven and one on the season. Certainly a a good team, and and one that to keep an eye on out of the I I A C um how important is that game and is it more about what you do during the game than necessarily the outcome of the game
8: well we try to keep it focused on what we do during the game all the time um you know obviously our kids are our kids and our staff love winning games but at the end of the day if you play as good as you can play that's that's where the bar has to be set so we try to focus on what we're doing and how we perform every game and then let the score follow where it might and thankfully so far it's it's fallen on our side um but Luther is a Luther is a big game, you know, that Luther and Simpson are the only two schools, two opportunities that we have to separate a little bit from that Iowa conference.
5: Yeah.
8: Um, against some really good teams. Luther is a really tough, tough team. They're they're so balanced. Um, they play a tough style to play against. They make it hard for you to run your stuff. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. We haven't played against quite the style that Luther plays.
5: Mm-hmm.
8: Um and so so it'll be interesting thankfully we go the following week we play augsburg and they play a little bit similar style as luther does so some of our preparation stuff will, will hopefully hopefully carry into two games for us
0: of course you'd point out the luther Norse, uh coached by a yx a f- player 2005 grad yeah. uh amanda bailey so obviously she knows your program well as much as you know her well yeah you talk about that augsburg game coming up less than or just about a week later six days um yep. of course that one's at home as well and then i feel horrible for you you your Christmas break, you're going to have to go to Daytona Beach, uh, play some basketball down in Florida. I feel horrible. Um, of course, yeah. your opponents are Iowa Wesleyan, who will be uh, making a, a bigger splash in Division Three next year, or have, really, by joining the IAC. And then Messiah out of conference. So you've got some good tests coming up here. Uh, all four of those teams are having decent seasons. Messiah is struggling a little bit, but you know they're capable. So you've got some good tests here before conference play.
8: We do. You know, the conference schedule switching has really right. been an interesting change for us. And getting these non-conference games in and then even having, you know, a week between games these last two weeks going into Christmas break is a little bit different for us. So just this, that schedule shift has been interesting. I feel like the a number of non-conference games that we're having, though, going into our conference play is really going to help us um, preparation-wise for conference. So
0: Yeah, obviously... You know, go ahead. We're
8: We're playing... We're playing good teams in our area, and those teams, I think, are going to end up doing well in their conferences, and I'm really, really happy with our co- with our non-conference schedule so far.
0: Well, then you'll get into conference play. Two less games because Superior is no longer in the conference. They're over in the UMAC, uh, so everything's in the second semester per se or the second half of what we call the season after the Christmas holiday. Uh, yeah. Starting in January, you'll start off with two road games, Oshkosh and Stout, four days, five days apart, uh, then a couple of home games, and you'll start rolling through this conference. This conference is going to be interesting. I think everybody certainly thinks Oshkosh is going to win it, but Whitewater is playing well. You never know what Shirley Egner is going to pull out of her hat at Stevens nope. point. <laughs> um, and, That's and, for sure. And then, of course, you guys are off to a hot start. So that automatically – you guys were picked to finish fifth in this conference. This has already started things in a different direction than many people thought.
8: Yeah, you know what? Again, you know, I'm not a real, I'm not huge on some of the preseason picks and things like that. Sure. I think a lot of times the preseason things, people don't know who you have added to your team, who you lost from your team, how, how what kind of offseason your team had, things yeah. like that. But, you know, to start off, start off 7-0 non-conference games against really good teams, that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what we needed to do. And I think we're playing some teams that are going to be good, um, good preparation for our league. Now, nobody we play is going to be Oshkosh. <laughs> you know, and and nobody plays a stout well probably as close to stout we're gonna play is Luther and Augsburg coming mm. up here that style of play. So, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a big awakening when we get into January and start playing against some of the WIAC teams. Um, you know, I keep talking about how how tough our non conference schedule is with our kids and but that you can't understand the WIAC until you get into the WIAC. Yeah.
0: Well, in Oshkosh, seven and zero start. River Falls yourselves, seven and zero. Whitewater six and zero. Stevens Point four and two. Stout and Lacrosse both with three solid three and fours. Eau Claire two and five. Platteville two and six. Certainly near the bottom, but good starts for the conference, and obviously that will get real, uh, as they say, when it comes to January. Of course, those records coming into the night. Let's talk. We we danced around your team a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more about the team. You talk about Brianne, sure. uh a uh Lelander fifteen point four yep. points a game. Five and a half rebounds a game. Also leads the squad. Shoots um, 80% from the free throw line. You don't want her put there. Shoots 33% from outside and 42% from the floor. Is there anything she doesn't do?
8: Yeah, she doesn't box out. She's driving me crazy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't box out. Now, thankfully, most of the time, the point guard on the other team is converting back because we'll run on them sure, a little bit. Yeah. Um, that has that has saved her um, a few times. but. <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't box out. So, of course, what do I focus on with her, right? you got to yeah. box out. She's doing everything else well. She, she um, You know what? She makes such a difference for our team. She gets the ball where it needs to go. She's that, she's that kid that when you can feel the game turning and you need a basket, you know she's going to get a basket for you. So to have a point guard that can do that um, is huge for us. So the last point guard that we had that could do that was Tiffany Gregorich, which, mm. which graduated in that 2012 group. So... She's just been a total program changer for us coming in as a junior. She's mature um, and she's learning to play our style a little bit more. So yeah, good. she's going to keep getting
0: better and better as we go. I was going to say a junior, certainly a nice addition uh, for the team uh, so far in this one. Of course, second on the team, fifteen points a game. Taylor uh, Cargi, sophomore. We should point out um, also well uh, shoots well from the free throw line, eighty-seven percent shoots incredibly well from the floor at fi- nearly fifty-eight percent. Um, also hauls in five rebounds a game, so you got a nice kind of back and forth there with Bryn and and um, and Taylor.
8: Yeah, the two of them complement each other so well, and they, and they really like playing together. So we'll run some two player stuff for them and things like that, and they their styles complement each other so well. So that's been that's been huge for us. Bryn makes Taylor better, and Taylor makes Bryn better, and you know we have a couple of guards that can shoot the basketball with Katie Messman, and especially Katie really, and and Bryn opens up the floor for Taylor, so i think that's really the big thing right now is we have kids yeah we have different kids that can lead us in scoring every night and and taylor's one of those kids
0: yeah messman uh, nearly nine points a game with shooting 38.5 percent from outside and then you have rochelle may who's uh 8.7 that's your only senior on the squad that's why i wanted to make sure we point her out of course she's also leading the team at 22 assists in her seven games so far it's a it's a nice little group there maybe maybe not as understood as everybody thought going into the season as you kind of pointed out in those preseason polls.
8: Yeah, you know what, this group, we have kids, different kids that can lead us in scoring every night, which makes such a huge difference. You know, with the with the video editing and the scouting stuff that we have, that coaches have access to now, to have, it's harder to win with one star player, I think, mm-hmm. than it probably used to be. Um, now you have a star player on your team and and you have that kid so well scouted that you just can take them out of the game. So, but our team right now, I think with four key kids that are coming in and scoring for us, and then other kids that complement them with Kate Tyson and you know Hannah Pignato's getting some good minutes for us off the bench and and Allie Clark, so I like our balance right now, and I like our depth right now um and so far, in our first seven games, when one kid's had an off night, another kid's put up put up points for us, so I think that's really important as the season goes on to have kids that complement each other like that.
0: How much? Okay, so what were the goals going into the season, and how much have they changed now that you're off to seven and zero?
8: You know, we we talk about goal setting and things like that quite a bit. We talk a lot about preparation and being focused on our side of the basketball. Um, so we're we're our, I think our really our solid team goals are still being set. I'm not sure that our players um, really understand how good a group they can be. Um, but, you know, you look at our conference this year, and I think Oshkosh obviously separates a little bit, but I mm-hmm. think our conference is wide open. So, you know, I think for us as a group, we're, we'd really like to finish in that top two in our league. And, you know, so we haven't had to switch anything yet. To do that, to be in the conversation at the end of the year, you have to win non-conference games, and you have to win some big non-conference games. So right now, you know, for where we want to be, we're we're sitting right right where we want to be if not a little bit ahead and and we're running some stuff and our kids are playing and practicing hard and this group is going to get better and better as the season goes which is really exciting
0: this is your 16th season i'm kind of curious in those years and obviously you're a stout grad so you certainly know the area very well um yep. what's your proudest moment
8: oh that's a tough question what's my proudest moment um
0: <laughs> well, we could start with least proudest moment <laughs>
8: mm. <laughs> Least proud moments. I think coaches. We all have some of those. Yeah, I know. Sometimes <laughs> when you just say one more sentence than you should have said. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a bad habit of doing that. <laughs> so I do it, but you know, and that's why you have a good assistant coaching staff, I guess. True. Um, my proudest moment. God, that's a good question. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm probably a little bit funny. I'm not a huge moment person. I'm not a huge a coach that focuses just on winning games and I'm sure. I'm not. I, I don't know. It's really different. You know what? I teach a sports psychology class. And so one of the things that I really talk about a lot is performance and how your team plays and how your team grows and how you develop relationships and sure. how you keep kids growing and, and see kids mature and how cool that is. And, you know, the the coolest thing for me, I think, is seeing a group come in and being really unsure and then going through their sophomore and junior year and really gaining the confidence as, as young women and how they navigate the world. And we spend a lot of time on that with our kids. Um, and so to see kids just gain that confidence and, and be able to navigate the world a little bit more like I got it as as young women, that's that always is the proudest time for me when I see that change or that development in kids. So as far as a moment, you know, most people would say when we played in the NCAA tournament and sure. that was fantastic um that was that group of kids really maturing but um seeing this kid this group of kids right now that we have they're turning the corner a little bit um and their maturity is coming along and it's really fun to see and i'm you know i'm curious how we handle i'm sure we're going to hit some adversity as the season goes i'm sure um that we're going to hit some tough patches but seeing kids grow up and mature like that that's the coolest thing to me
0: well that's a perfect answer to to finish us on i appreciate you taking my uh taking the time to join us here on the show Though I do have one more request. We always leave the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Or
8: just go Falcons. Watch our team a little bit. We have a we have a really good group. We're playing a fun style and um, love it that you guys are following us a little bit. So we appreciate that.
0: Absolutely. Well, good luck the rest of the season. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks a lot, Dave. Cindy Holbrook joining us from Wisconsin River Falls. Again, off to that terrific 7-0 and start. They got a good test with Luther coming up 7-1. and uh, coming up on Saturday, then next Friday, they will take on Augsburg. Both these games at home, Augsburg 5-4 on the season. Take a break for the holidays, then they head to Daytona Beach for I- Iowa Wesleyan and Messiah. Then they come back, get about a week off, and then they'll get back into conference play starting off, interesting enough, with Wisconsin Oshkosh on the road. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to switch gears, go back to men's basketball, and we're going to continue the somewhat western tra- western trend of this show. We'll talk Northwestern Minnesota men's basketball. you listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this.
3: College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor. Mentor Circle and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles.
1: At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person.
4: Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps
6: a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you.
2: With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot
3: of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue.
4: By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Nearly wrapped up. We've got a lot covered so far tonight, and we got a lot more to cover. Obviously, our final Thursday show, we'll talk about that more uh, when we tag out here in a bit. Uh, but if you've got questions for us, usual way, follow us on Twitter at D3 Hoopsville or use the hashtag Hoopsville. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Um, we kind of had this western, westward trend with our interviews, started kind of uh, very much on the East Coast and have worked our way west. The last interview was in Wisconsin, so naturally we'll move across state lines and head to Minnesota. Uh, We're switching genders now, going from women's basketball to men's basketball, talking to a team that we've talked to when they've pulled off a nice upset in the NCAA tournament, but I don't think we've actually ever talked to them in midseason. Now, I could be completely wrong about that, but anything is certainly possible. But nonetheless, let's bring in the Eagles of Northwestern, and their head coach, Tim uh, Gross, joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir.
9: Thanks, Dave. Great to be with you.
0: Great start to the season. Um, Seven and one on the season. Uh, your one lone loss to uh, uh, to Bethel. Not that that's a, a bad loss. Uh, undefeated still as we talk uh, at seven and zero on the season. Um, you guys are seven and one with wins over Gustavus and Hamlin, Marion, Concordia, Moorhead, McAllister, Northland, and a trip to Finlandia, which we can certainly chat about. But how do you feel the season started for you guys?
9: Yeah, no, it's it's been a great start for us like you said. Uh, very happy. Um you know, a very similar schedule to what we had last year and uh, we didn't start out as well no. last year. Um, <laughs> as we as we did have this year. Um so yeah, the guys have been playing well. Um we're shooting the ball well. Um we're we're taking care of the basketball um extremely well also. Um our defense has been good. Still think we can take that up another level even. And then uh, probably the one thing we're working on the most right now is is just rebounding. We haven't rebounded the ball real well to start the season, but a good place to be. And like you mentioned, our our lone loss was at Bethel. Uh, Great game, just a packed gym. Um, You know, we had a couple chances to win it. Uh, We were down um, uh, one, had a good look at three, uh, under 30 seconds missed it. Uh, They came down, made one or two free throws, and uh, we literally had a three at the buzzer, Cody Springer kind of front rim that, that didn't mm. fall for us, that, that would have won the game by one. So that was a, a very exciting, uh, competitive, fun game against what you mentioned, a, a very good Bethel team uh, at this point, too. So,
0: and You guys started last year 2-9. and nine. You ended the season 20-10 and 10 in the NCAA tournament. If anybody wants to do the math, that meant 18 straight wins once you started conference play in January um, against North Central. You guys rolled from there. Um, to those 18 straight, including all the way to the Sweet 16, where East Texas Baptist, unceremoniously ceremoniously, thank you for your tournament run, uh, and you guys finished at 20 and 10. So yeah, two and nine turned around to seven and one at this point. That's out. That's outstanding turnaround.
9: Yeah, it's been it's been a good stretch for us here, right? I mean, if I I do the math there, guess what's that? Uh, yeah, 20. Twenty-seven of our last, uh, mm-hmm. or twenty-nine, or whatever that number would be, I guess. But um, 20, yeah, it has been yeah a, you've
0: won twenty-five of your last um, twenty-seven.
9: 27.
0: Yeah.
9: yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you for doing that math. There for you, well. so, <laughs> you go. I got to work on that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it it has been a good turnaround. And, and, and last year, when we were two and nine, I mean, we were you know losing uh, some really close games. You know, playing pretty well, and, and obviously things clicked for us in conference and and continued into the NCAA tournament for us, too. And and we've just kind of picked up uh, from there. You know, I think that tournament run uh, gave us a lot of confidence. And uh, going into this year, um, you know, early on here, we've just been playing with a lot of confidence as a group and and experience. You know, we have, you know, five of our top six guys back from last year uh, who helped us make that run. So, and two of those guys are seniors, three are juniors. Um, So that's a nice place to be with an experienced uh, veteran group.
0: Obviously, uh, the conference has grown, and that's going to force you into conference play here in December. Something you guys have not done. It's grown because Wisconsin Superiors left the WIAC and joined the UMAC. Logistically, certainly makes geographically making sense. But now you're going to have to play two conference games coming up this weekend. So a little bit of a different twist on how things have normally progressed for you guys.
9: Yeah, it has been. And actually, we we played one conference game actually last oh, weekend. Oh, you're right, uh, Northland. At, at Northland. <clears throat> Uh, won that on the road and yeah now we have two uh, conference home games against uh, Crown and the University of Minnesota Morris this weekend so yeah it is unique in my 16 years here we've never uh, played conference games uh, you know before uh, January 1st so this has been unique Um, I think maybe kind of push the urgency a little bit more preseason you know to really get ready for the conference season um, uh, early on here so we're Good start, got that first win on the road, and, and hopefully uh, play well this weekend at home.
0: Um, obviously the win over Northland, children uh, missed that, but that came off that loss to Bethel. So that's a nice response for the team, a tough loss, as you said, at the buzzer to Bethel. But then you get into conference play, it's nice to see that that didn't kind of stick with them. You know, you, that's an easy way to let down, especially against a team like Northland that you should beat uh, it certainly was close. I mean, you only beat them by right. five, but at least you got the yep. job done and got back into the winning column as it were.
9: Yeah, no, it was, yeah, that game was actually a hard fought game. Northland uh, came out and, uh, and really got after us, uh, right away. I think we were down by 12 or 13 actually early in the first half and, uh, the guys responded well and, and battled back. And like you said, pulled it out in the end. So, um, yeah, it was a, you know, tough, it's a long trip up there for us. And, uh, uh, but I, I was proud of how the guys responded and um, you know obviously uh, with the success we 've had you know in our conference, we have a pretty big target on our, our back and I think with uh, the tournament run last year, that target 's even gotten big bigger, so you know we're gonna we 're going to get uh, great shots from people and and what I challenge our guys before the game too is you know we need to give great shots back too so uh, uh, we know it's you know our conference has been very competitive over the years and uh, we're going to have a lot of tough games, so we need to be uh, we need to be ready, you know, ready to play.
0: Yeah, obviously, 14 and 0 last season, 11 and 3 the year before in conference. A Large target on your back for sure for going 14 and 0, and of course, uh, now 15 straight in count. Well, 15 straight dating back to last year. I don't. I haven't looked back at how how many consecutive in two years, um, but. You now do have superior in it, so you are going to play sixteen games. Is it possible to go undefeated in this conference still, or is this gonna you're gonna to have to take some of your lumps?
9: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll take it a game at a time and, and and see what happens. And you know, our even last year, I mean, our, our mantra was kind of to treat every game as a championship type game, and we've kind of kept that same approach. So um, we're, we're really just trying to you know not look back, not look ahead, just kind of focus on on the task at hand, which you know for us is it's Crown College tomorrow night and um, you know we, we really just talk as a program that you know winning's just a byproduct of working hard of getting better and uh in you know putting forth our best efforts so really those are the things we focus on those are the things we talk about and uh, we'll kind of let the wins and losses take care of themselves
0: and it is 15 straight should mention a uh, loss to St. Scholastica in 2014 in the last game of the regular season so regular season conference play 15 straight Games You'll play Northland and, uh, I mean, Crown and, and Minnesota Morris. Then you'll play Stout in non-conference action. Uh, then you take a bit of a break. Um, you're going to take just about three weeks off before you'll get back into action uh, in conference play. I ask this about all the coaches because I'm kind of curious. A, no idea, no preference to, to do something during that break. And B, how do you keep the team focused or get them refocused when you get back together?
9: Right. Uh, great question. Uh, with, with our conference schedule changing, like you said, with Superior coming in, uh, we're actually opening up conference play January 2nd, so, so very early. Um, as we looked at our schedule, um, you know, we just felt it was best to uh, take some time off you know, after that style game, uh, allow our kids to get home uh, to see their families you know, for a 9-, sure. 10-day uh, trip back home for Christmas, for the holidays. And then uh, you know come back. Uh, I believe it's the 28th of December. You know get a week of practice in uh, before we open up conference play on January 2nd. So I think at, at this point, I mean I think the rest will be great. Uh, you know we've been going hard since October 15th. Um, you know the guys are in finals next week. Um, so they're 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 getting uh, they're getting pretty taxed uh, between basketball and school. So I think the break is going to come at a great time and. And then uh, get refocused and, and hit conference play hard uh, starting January 2nd.
0: Thank goodness you guys are right outside um, <clears throat> Minneapolis. Otherwise, a week in the middle of, or the end of December um, back at the campus just for practice would be a little less exciting. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. you know, quickly, before we talk about the team, you did take a trip up to Finlandia. Um, you and I were talking before, air. It's been, been a bit mild up there by your terms. Uh, and by everybody else's terms, you've had a little bit of spits and spats of snow, but you haven't had anything like you normally have. But a trip to Finlandia this time of year, perfectly timed, it doesn't sound like they've had any snow either.
9: Yeah, we lucked out. Uh, it was, we we were joking, we were eating Applebee's our pregame, and uh, we stepped out, and you know I think it was 51 degrees, felt like March, you know, felt <laughs> like uh, spring, spring break almost. Um, and uh, before the game, one of the officials came up to me and said, you know, at this time last year, they had about three feet of snow so it was great uh it made for for good travel for sure for our bus driver and uh nice weather so i, I was glad uh we were fortunate to, to go up there here early and not sometime later in january or february
0: um yeah absolutely uh, you lucked out especially with the uh the mother nature being kind uh this team's only got two seniors on it that's probably what might be scary about the eagles you make such a great run you bring back you know, a good chunk of that team and two seniors. So you're, you're junior loaded. You've got a number of good players. This team's certainly set for the next few years. Though it's a senior who's leading the way right now, Kyle Ohms, 12.5 points a game. Of course, Michael Carney, 12.5 points as well. Clay uh, Elroy, Elrod, sorry, 12.1 points a game. Will Gisler, 11.9 and 10.3 from Cody Springer. I don't want to forget uh, Porter Moore, Morrell as well, 8.8 points a game. That's your nucleus, though. That's that's your six. That's a that's your starting five plus one guy coming off the bench. Um, that seems to be the unit that that this team revolves around.
9: Right. It's it's a great and, and as you say those numbers. I mean you can see our balance as a yeah. team, and that's that's really been the strength of our program over the years. You know we're a we're a motion offensive basketball team that really shares the basketball and moves well, uh, moves the ball well, moves our body well, and. You know, uh, to have that balance, I think, makes us tough to guard. Um, and we really say, you know, right now Clay's coming off the bench for us, and, you know, we really say, you know, Clay, you're a sixth starter. You know, he's, he's obviously not in the starting lineup, but um, that, that balance has been tremendous for us. And those five guys, you know, were a big integral part of our team last year. And then Clay, uh, Division II transfer for us, has really helped us out this year, um, you know, provide that, that six-man spark off the bench. Because uh, last year's group, we you know, we do have a lot returning, but we did lose one starter in Caleb Jansen, and then uh, we did lose, uh, you know, uh, four other guys, uh, four seniors for us that, you know, provided our depth off the bench. So we have a good experienced group starting, but our guys coming off the bench, we have quite a bit of uh, inexperience um, and, and youth coming off the bench. So um, that, that six has definitely kind of carried us uh, early in the season. But uh, Peter Marion and Aaron Youngberg, and um, uh, Caleb Hagman um, coming off the bench have given us some really good minutes too.
0: You had a few seniors on last year's squad that certainly helped, but not what one or two. So it's yeah,
9: I actually we had we actually did have four seniors okay. uh, that that you know would come in and and definitely give us good minutes and and make big plays you know shots or stops for us when needed. So, uh, but they were all all those seniors were coming off the bench. So and then we had our other starter last year, Caleb Jansen, actually was just a junior. Uh, But he was—he graduated in three years, so he actually graduated early and uh, did did not return. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) Uh, did not return for his senior year. Um, So, so we lost him also in that.
0: But still, you've got that core group that's coming off of what is, by all definitions, a spectacular season, or at least a spectacular finish to the season. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they want to say it was anything great in November (laughs) and December, Uh, but if if we're talking January on, it was an amazing season. but to have all of that experience basically back for this year, and technically for next year, that's got that's an amazing development for you guys. How far can you can you run with that?
9: Well, it's yeah. I mean, it's it is it is a great as as a coach. You know, you love having upperclassmen. Um, uh, it's been tremendous, and and really, you know, we have a junior varsity team too. We have some very good young players. Our uh, junior varsity's been playing very well, and. Um, they're 6-2 they're on the season, two. So right now, you know, just kind of top to bottom, we just have very good uh, depth uh, within our program and, and very solid players, great competition. Uh, so the guys are really pushing each other, you know, uh, in practice and, and making each other better. So, um, you know, we, we feel like we have a, a very competitive program uh, here at Northwestern, and we're always looking to get better. And uh, we know here in the... In the Midwest, uh, you know, Upper Midwest, there's so many good teams and so yeah. many good conferences that if you're competitive in this region, this part of the country, uh, you're competitive nationally, and uh, you know that's really our goal is to be very, very competitive in this region, which then uh, if we're fortunate enough to to make the NCAA tournament again. You know, allows us we feel to be competitive nationally.
0: How much can you take from last year? Still, how much can you tap into? Hey, guys, do you remember this or, or do you remember that or the buzz on the campus? Is it still there from that incredible run? I mean, beating number three St. Thomas and then beating Elmhurst, granted, probably a little bit tired Elmhurst in the second round. but Take advantage of the matchups when you can and then getting right. to the Sweet 16. How much can you take advantage of that to, you know, now? I'm sure at some point it wears off. Has it worn off or or, or is that coming?
9: Well, I think no. I think there's still a lot of excitement, uh, great excitement around you know what we were able to accomplish last year, and uh, like I said, the confidence standpoint, uh, I think it just gives our guys you know a lot of confidence. Too. I mean, obviously St. Thomas in our area, you know, is kind of the gold standard. Um, so to to knock them off, uh, you know, it was just huge for our program, for our conference. And then, like I said, Elmhurst did had that that triple overtime you know against St. Norberts, but. That was a very very good Elmhurst team too, mm-hmm. with a lot of you know I think their whole team was juniors. I think yeah. it like was ten juniors that played for them. Um, so we you know we felt great about that too to to follow up that Saint Thomas win with a very good win um, against Elmhurst, which gave us confidence. And then kind of a fun thing on our campus too, our, our volleyball team this year made it to the Sweet 16 of the National Volleyball Tournament too. So that's kind of just kept things you know rolling campus wide too, not just you know within our basketball program but within the our whole athletic department. So. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun time, you know, uh, around campus uh, and around our athletic department.
0: Um, how how much, though, is it hard to keep your team then focused? And I mean that on the sense that, obviously, two years ago, a lot of success. Last year, tremendous success with a very, for lack of a better description, young squad. You had seniors, but again, your, your core is young. You've got them back again this year. At some point, do you worry about, almost resting on your laurels as it were
9: you know our kids have been have been really good about um, you know kind of knowing who we are and uh, and we know as a program that uh, we need to work uh, extremely hard we need to execute uh, uh, very well um, you know to be successful and, and to be competitive in this area so I, I don't think uh, you know it's gone to our head at all um, I, I think it's just uh, you know we, we know we're close uh, but but we still know that you know anybody on our schedule uh, you know can beat us um, you know if, if we're not playing well and maybe even if we are playing well, but we also I think have that confidence that we know um, you know we can beat anybody on our schedule too um so so we've just we've stayed hungry you know, and we've always tried to say hey, this is a new year, this is a new team, this is a new group of guys um you know so Again, that's not look back, that's not look ahead, that's just kind of live in the moment and, and give championship effort and, uh, and, and see what happens. So our, our guys have done a really, really good job of, of staying focused in that area.
0: Um, I noticed you c- conveniently made sure your graduation year is not on your, um, um, your bio page, uh, but you are yeah. a graduate of Northwestern. So what's it mean to coach your alma mater and, on top of that, give them, or take them to such lofty levels now?
9: Well, I love it. Um yeah, I'm a ninety two grad there we of go. Northwestern. Thank you. There we go, I'll give that to you. <laughs> and uh getting getting close to that fifty spot which one of my assist, or one of our other head coaches here reminded me the other day, but nice. uh I don't feel it. But you know, I love it. Um I loved it as a student athlete here, played basketball here too. Um I love the, the mission of our school. Um the people I work with are tremendous. Um the the kids we get to coach are outstanding, so Uh, You know, to to be a college basketball coach is a special thing. Uh, To be a college basketball coach at your alma mater, uh, to me, is really, really special. And uh, obviously, we've had a lot of success over the years, uh, you know, which has been great. Not just the run last year, but, you know, we've won the conference 12 of the last 15 years. You know, we've been to 10 national tournaments. You know, we're going for our sixth straight NCAA tournament. So um, it's been a pretty, pretty special run here. And, uh, we hope it continues, and uh, like you said, hopefully we can uh, continue to advance even further.
0: Um, you are a double major in physical, physical education and Bible, and minored in coaching and health education. Talk about polar opposite worlds. Um, you know, I you know I can understand business and Spanish because you know you might be in this in, in, in the world or, or some of the sciences together, but wow, physical education and Bible, you you, you literally are on two different two different worlds there.
9: Right, right. Well, and that's the uniqueness about Northwestern yeah. too. Actually, it's a Christian liberal arts university. Uh, actually, all of our students here they, they get their liberal arts major, and and then they get uh, a secondary major in Bible. So um, crazy. It, it, it wow. both things, and, and basically, you know, instead of taking a lot of electives, a lot of the elective hours are are taken up kind of in uh, you know biblical worldview education.
0: That's fascinating. Uh, very fascinating. Um, curious. You're six wins away from 300. Has it dawned on you yet? Uh, uh,
9: A little, yeah, a little bit it has. Um, SID reminded me of that just actually last night. Ironically, (laughs) we were talking about that a little bit. So, um, you know, I guess I've been here a long time. Uh, You know, that's part of it. Um, But, you know, there's just so many great players and and, and great coaches uh, that, that, you know, have allowed us to get to that mark. So, again, I... To me, it's, uh, it's a group accomplishment. Um, I know my name kind of goes behind it, but uh, it really is a group thing. Um, you know, if, if uh, we get to that point, uh, I'm just worried about getting one more tomorrow night and, uh, <laughs> and see, what, see what happens after that. But uh, obviously, that's, uh, that's a lot of hard work by a lot of people uh, to get to that number, so that'll be a, a pretty special thing um hopefully when that happens sure. we'll see right got to go one at a time i was going to
0: say if you keep on winning it'll be against saints classica at home on january 15th but no pressure um <laughs> you, you do have some uh, leeway you've got uh, three home games following that so you know you've got a little bit of leeway to make sure it's at home um yeah. and of course i would be fascinated to see how many wins we would add in if we caught, uh, talked about your playing days um coach i appreciate you coming on uh the show as always uh, especially in season we won't talk about the fact that you retrograded back to phone call after a cool skype interview last time don't worry uh, we won't we won't hold that against you uh, but as always and you probably remember we always give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be watching
9: uh well first of all dave appreciate the time and uh and getting a chance to talk about uh you know our program and and the great kids we have here and uh, the great university we have. So, uh, again, just very humbled uh, to be a college basketball coach at the Division three level. And, um, again, we're just always striving here at Northwestern uh, to be the best we can be and see where it takes us.
0: Well, congratulations yet again on a great start. Again, 25 out of the last 27. Uh, big games coming up. We look forward to seeing how it goes from here. Thanks, Dave. Tim Gross from Northwestern. And hey, welcome Thank you, Coach, for joining us on the show. Appreciate him taking the time. Uh, again, terrific start there. Uh, if you've been, if you haven't been, if you've been watching the show, thank you uh, watching it live. If not, there have been some excitement going on. Uh, one of them being the fact that two double overtime games uh, taking place. One featuring an, up, an upcoming guest. We hope to be talking to Roanoke's men's basketball coach. They had a double overtime come from behind victory tonight over Shenandoah um the final there 108 97 uh it was not an 11 point game i can tell you that right now the other being amherst and Babson, double overtime right now amherst leads 196 and are going to the free throw line with pretty much seconds to go here i think 14 and a half lord uh, lord jeffs i think have the or on the line just made it a five point game obviously Babson could pull off the miracle we'll keep an eye on that one and see what happens. A reminder, this is our last Thursday show of the season. And so that means um, we have two more Sunday shows, though, uh, here to go. So we still have some time. Five seconds left in that Babs and Amherst game. A three-pointer on the way. No good. And Amherst going to hold on to the ball. Clocks, Well, no, not there's going to be a foul with nine-tenths of a second for some reason. But Amherst is going to survive their first, second true test of the season. Amherst had a lot of easy games to start the season. Westfield State, Johnson State, some others in there. Um, they, um, they what I'm trying to get it. Uh, so then they played Bamps, Bam, Brandeis the other day and survived. I think that one might have gone to overtime as well. And now, Bamps in a double overtime game, they're going to survive it, winning by six now, probably eight, barring a, a shot with nine tenths of a second. That's going to be a miracle here. You look at the rankings expected here. This is where a top 25 voter doesn't necessarily move his rankings just because Babson lost. You'd expected Babson to lose if you ranked them behind Amherst. I did, and so I don't have any reason to move them. Um, nonetheless, Amherst got a scare here, and I think I moved them down from four to six this week, uh, mainly because I had to move people up. I had to move St. Thomas down. I moved Ohio Wesleyan up. Amherst ended up by default moving down as well. By the way, final there, 103-96. Um, so that's, that's how it happens sometimes. And, uh, I don't have any reason here to, to have Babson change either. Um, unless something happens this weekend, tough loss for Babson. Certainly, uh, I won't diminish that fact in any way, shape or form. Um, but still nonetheless, um, a pretty good, um, pretty good effort for Amherst who hasn't again, hasn't really been tested this season. Let's look at some other scores quickly or I'm going to have to refresh. So that's going to take a bit of time. Um, if uh, let's see, we've got obviously a lot of games coming up this week and then we kind of hit this lull where teams are in finals we're actually kind of in that this week too finals and then getting ready to go to turn, uh, to break and stuff like that so the next few weeks kind of hits and misses with uh, a lot of this we'll see what happens uh, with games but obviously we will be on the air nonetheless by the way, I forget, go back to the Maroons the reason we're going to have Paige Moyer on the show uh, they lost the opening game of the season and have won seven straight technically eight straight they won an exhibition against a d1 in the middle of that um but in those in in, in the season they have six of those eight games have scored more than 100 points i i texted page and said are you running the system his answer was technically no but we'll find out sunday if we can get him on the show what he is running uh, but roanoke off to a tremendously good start this season and uh, we want to talk to him about it. So that's hopefully going to be coming up on Sunday. We have some other guest ideas as well for Sunday. Hopefully we can get them all lined up for, for you. And we'll, of course, follow us on Twitter to find out who's on our show. Um, at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. We have some other ideas of guests to be on that show. We refreshed the score, so let's take a look quickly. We mentioned the Amherst win. East Texas Baptist played tonight. That's underway. Don't have a score. Uh, I'm looking to see if there's anything else that jumps out of me. Eastern Connecticut is actually trailing Connecticut State right now. Eastern Connecticut actually got a good win the other day, but they're trailing Connecticut College uh, right now, 65-60 with five minutes left. Those of you listening to the podcast, that doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> uh, Sage, who's off to a tremendously good start to in the Atlantic region, uh, in the Skyline Conference, is uh, beating Purchase right now, but that's early in the second half. Um, St. Joseph's of Brooklyn and Farmingdale State went overtime tonight, 105-101 Farmingdale State, so another OT game. By the way, Pan- Pine Manor, only in their, what, second season, I believe, as a, as a men's program, beat Mass Boston tonight. Uh, they were 10-10 last year, and they're 7-3 and this season. Pine Manor certainly coming out of the gates um, with a nice – um with a nice run as it were um let's see here any other scores that jump out at me wesleyan had an easy night over curry uh, we mentioned the roanoke double ot game um hamilton beat hobart that's an interesting score hobart actually started the season kind of playing some pretty nice basketball and uh, and have stumbled as of late johnson and wales with a huge win over riviere um mit barely got past rhode island college there's two teams that are Kind of struggling just a little bit this season um, due to many, many factors. Bates got to win. This is all in men's basketball. Again, Hobart started the season 3-0 and have lost four of their last five. Lost to Buffalo State, Roberts Wesleyan, who's obviously D2. Uh, They beat Nazareth, then lost to Brockport State, and lost again tonight to Hamilton. So Hobart's things struggling a little bit for Coach Tim Sweeney. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Cough button not close enough for me Johnson and Wales 7 and 1 they lost their opening game against Linfield when they were out at Lewis and Clark and then since then have rolled through most of their opponents they have had some struggles as well. Uh, They got a game coming against Elms. Uh, Their game against Albertus Magnus isn't until January so we're gonna have to wait just a little bit on the women's side quickly before we let you go. Tufts got back in the win column uh, beating Wheaton a mass 58 45. Um, Other scores looking to see if any teams jump out at me here quickly. Um, and they pretty much don't, uh, nothing. Uh, Ursinus, we had their head coach on earlier. They played Cabrini tonight. Cabrini, unfortunately, beat Ursinus 62-54, so Ursinus falls back to 4-4. and But more importantly, they are 4-0 in the Centennial Conference. That's what we really want to watch. Um, but Cabrini, who struggled to start this season uh, as well, at least has a win in that game. And, yeah, nothing else really jumping out at me. Besides that, Cabrini, who had started the season 0-4, has now run four in a row. They lost to Eastern Stockton, Moravian, and Scranton and beat Centenary New Jersey, Rosemont, Delaware Valley, and Ursinus. So Cabrini back into their winning ways at 4-4. and 4. That's going to do it for us. I appreciate you all tuning in, especially if it's on the archive um, or if it was live, especially if it was live. If you have any questions or you have guest ideas or whatever, we have two Sunday shows left this season, so make sure you join us and, and tune in and have some fun with it. Uh, those Sunday shows coming up on the 13th and 20th of December. Always follow us on Twitter at D3 Hoopsville. Hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville, D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash hoopsville that's going to wrap it up for us i want to thank our our guests tonight they start with mike moran from uh john uh, carroll men's basketball appreciate him taking the time greg curley from juniata men's basketball earth sinuses margaret white from uh, their women's program women's basketball coach cindy holbrook at uh wisconsin river falls and of course northwestern's uh tim gross um as well want to thank their sports information directors as well for their assistance in getting them on the show and any of the materials that we needed as well. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back on Sunday once again with Hoopsville. Uh, the Last Thursday, once again, last Thursday show until January. We'll have four weeks of no Thursdays, but we'll be on for two more Sundays before taking our holiday break, and we hope you will join us then. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you uh, to all those who uh, participated in it, and we'll see you back here for more Hoopsville uh, on Sunday. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More, More Hoopsville on Sunday night.